Bam. All right, guys. Welcome to the Pole Hitter Podcast. Today, we have the big hitters here from the High Stakes Seat Podcast, rotosaurus.com. What's up, fellas? Dave McDonald, Jake Halsker, and Dave Loves Buckton, a.k.a. Tony Vin- <laughs> DiVincenzo, my, my, my Italian compadre on the show. What's going on, guys? Yeah, which one of you has the more Italian name? Ooh. Anthony, Ooh. Anthony is probably more, well, Anthony or Robert? I don't know. Uh, Anthony, Anthony DiVincenzo or Robert DiPietro? I don't know. I might have to go with Anthony DiVincenzo. On this I'm one. going with DiVincenzo too, like 100%. <laughs> he, he's, now, got the, he's got the Vincenzo too, and it's like, you know, right. yeah, yeah. But you, right. sound, now, you sound like an Italian. Noise. I was going to say, now listening to you guys, Rob definitely has a one. He, he's got the full on Italian New York uh, accent going on. The Jersey Shore, Brooklyn. Uh, Accent, yeah, 100%. that's right. Like you guys start <laughs> fist pumping now. I mean, like, absolutely, Paulie <laughs> D style. So, what's going on, guys? Are you watching any of these playoffs? What do you think so far? You think uh, who you like going all the way? I think the Astros are going to do it. Really? No. Imagine that though. That's 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 twenty. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be twenty twenty in a nutshell. No, yeah. I tweeted that out. That's that would be twenty twenty, and you know, I, I don't know. It's just so funny and watching these guys play and. You know, they're obviously uber, comp- you know, competitive athletes. And I think they got they got this chip. They want to prove like, hey, I'm in the major leagues for a reason. I know I cheated, but I'm still good. <laughs> they, they're playing like that, though. That's the, what I see, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they haven't had a tough run. I mean, they're now facing the, the athletics, who I thought were going to lose to the, to the White Sox in the first round. Um I think it's still probably going to be – I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series. I think it's still probably going to be the Dodgers. Right. Right. Dodgers-Rays? I think Dodgers-Rays is probably – It looks that way, yeah. Probably the way I'd go, yeah. I was pretty disappointed with the Indians, I'm not going to lie. Um, um, yeah, you're not the only one. You I know, mean, I, uh, I probably – most of the country wanted us to beat the Yankees, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, outside I mean, of New York, yeah, I'd say so. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, and plus, once the Yankees fans, once they lose in the playoffs, they don't even know who won the World Series that year. Yeah, they just check out. That's how I feel. <laughs> like, I'm from oh, New Tony, York. Tony, are I'm you not... here? I didn't know Tony was hey, here. Hey, there he is. Hey, what's up? Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, it's just like our pod. We got yeah. a pretty. <laughs> yeah, Jake talks a lot and Tony can't be heard. Because Dave's too damn loud. No, I'm just Yeah. Oh, good. Every... <laughs> I enjoy listening to you guys, and like every now and then, you just get a random, "Hey, Tony, you want to say something on this guy?" <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Back here, I'm all right. <laughs> all right, so um, got a little bit of an agenda tonight, so maybe we could run through a whole bunch of things. Um, I know you guys have been reviewing your NFBC teams. Um, you guys had some success, some non-success. Uh, you know, what 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 was what was your biggest takeaway from this year? How much um, are you gonna how much are you putting into this year? That's the question. I think that's the million dollar question everyone's like asking, you know, and thinking about what what are you putting into this year? It's gonna be tough to look at this kind of a shortened season and make a, a ton of judgments based on it. I, I I think that it's going to set us up next year for a really, really advantageous draft season if you do your research and you know what you're doing because you're going to have massive recency bias on a short sample 
And if you're able to sift through that and figure out what breakouts were real versus what um, maybe was just a, the, the result of a guy getting hurt, not being able to get up to speed, COVID, whatever the case may be. Right. I, I think it's something where there's going to be a lot of opportunities next year. But at the same time, like you, I mean, you have to use this season. You have to, you have to take a look at what guys did. But I think what's going to be the differentiator next year is going to be seeing what happened this year and not just instantly going to um, 2020 as the, the baseline for what a guy can do, but rather to take it all into account and try to figure out, okay, what, what should I take from this versus, hey, what kind of value am I going to get from guys who are proven hitters who for some reason just crapped the bed this year who didn't, didn't produce. And at the same time, like some guys are going to have helium that absolutely don't deserve it but just because of the, the short season or are going to get forced up the board and being able to avoid those landmines is going to be pretty big too. Right. Well said. hundred percent. What do you think, think Jake? There's yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be looking as much at stats as I normally would, obviously. I mean, as Tony mentioned, I mean, we, we all know this is a short sample, but there are still lessons to glean from, you know, what you did in fab, um, granted fab was, was a different kind of thing this year, just because people had so much money to spend and they were spending a hundred dollars a week. Uh, but you can still learn lessons. And Rob, we were talking about before the pot, how to, you know, look ahead, look at the schedules. This, this is a, in this year where everything was so short, we were analyzing the schedule way more than we're used to in a long marathon season. And there's, there's something to take from that because even though the season will be longer next year, hopefully, uh, you know, Teams are going to have better matchups than other teams on a, on a somewhat regular basis. Like the AL Central is still going to be having a little bit better, you know, the pitchers on the Indians or the Twins. They're still going to be having a little bit more advantageous setup than, say, somebody in the AL East. Uh, you know, on the, obviously the Orioles pitchers aren't, aren't that good to begin with, but you get what I'm getting at. You, you right. look ahead, you look at who they're playing, you make those fab pickups a little bit early. Um, that that's something I think that we can use in any season. And it's something that was really important this year that we can learn from and grow from. Nice. I love it. What do you got, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go the other way for this and say, I think there's going to be a lot of people that undervalue this season and think that like we should just focus on 2019 stats and not 2020. And I think those people are going to miss the boat too. I think there is a lot of takeaways Things like strikeout percentage, walk percentage, those things stabilize very quickly. So even in a short season, there's going to be some takeaways from that, both on the hitter and the pitcher side. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be whoever can figure out how much value to place on 2020 compared to 2019 because you're going to be using both. And also, you know, past stats, past season stats as well, um, as well as uh, a lot of – like the injury stuff going on this year. So it's going to be figuring out who's healthy going into 2021. Um, and the other thing with, with pitchers especially is like how many innings are they going to pitch? You know, who's going to be pushing their stars and who's going to be like being careful with them. So um, I, I know that the Indians are a team that, that push their starters. So I'm definitely going to be in on, on Indian starters. Um, we know Lance Lynn is a guy that's going to be getting a lot of innings and everything, but um, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that aren't, aren't going to be pushing their guys. And I'm going to be looking into the news to figure out, like, 
what are what are players doing in the offseason? What are they doing to get up to speed, um, especially the pitchers? Like, because everyone's like pitching like you know what seventy innings max, maybe something like that, like eighty innings. It's a big jump to go to like two hundred innings next next season. So, Absolutely. are people going to be ready? Um, you know, Walker Buehler started slowly. You know, is he is he going to be working in the off season? Are these guys going to be doing what they need to do to prepare to get ready? That's going to be the big question for me. Right, and I think that's a big thing because, like you said, what are they doing? You know, obviously we would love to know like what everyone's doing. Like if everyone was being Trevor Bauer and like reporting what they were doing all the time, we'd be like, oh, you know, but. I, I do, I am going to, you know, obviously look at all the other years, but I think just look at the snapshot of the world that we were living in, you know, and for every person that will say, well, this guy didn't have enough time to ramp up. Well, what about the guy that has just elevated themselves past all the circumstances? What about the guys who just said, wearing masks, doing all this guideline shit, I'll take tests every day, but I'm still going to go out there with no fans and, you know, perform like, and I take stock in that. I, I look at that and I just like, even just watching it on TV and just, you know, removing yourself from diving into numbers for a second. You just see people um, just, you know, these guys are just like us, you know, they go to work and they obviously get to play a game and that's, you know, good for them. I don't, you know, they work so hard to be able to do this for a great living. And you just say, wow, like, you know, so I'm not taking away from guys who just, you know, came out of maybe nowhere, but you have to take stock that they, they put on a performance level that pretty impressive given the time that we had and what they had to work with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to so, be, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people value these seasons. Right. Right. I think that's a very what what you said, Dave, is very valid. I I, I think you're right. People are gonna, because because it's gonna be the narrative. Oh, it's too short of a sample. We got to look at 2019. But you're right. Growth can happen in a small sample. It does. I mean, it maybe. does happen. It's up to yeah. you to decide whether that's legitimate growth or whether it's luck based. And for real. Yeah, you have to figure out which stats you're placing your uh, emphasis on. Is there something that you put heavy emphasis on right now? Well, I, I was saying like walk percentage, out, yeah. percentage mm-hmm. because those things stabilize quickly, but it's also going to be like looking at the stat cast stats and, and saying, okay, I think that this, this guy is uh, legitimately hitting the ball harder now, or, um, you know, he just got hot for a month or so. So yeah, there, it's, it's, it's going to be tough when it gets to those, uh, when it gets to those other stats, I'm not just going to be looking at, the home run total, the average stuff like that. I'm going to be looking into the uh, peripherals a lot. Yeah, I'd say plate plate discipline growth for sure. I would put into that mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean we, we were talking we were talking about Juan Soto. You know, with his, you know, he had 350, but his BABIP was only like 360. So it's like, it's pretty legit. I, I yep. mean, and, and it's also he has that plate discipline and uh, that plate approach that you very much think that he could have hit. 350 at some point that it feels legitimate in in his case i'm not i you can't project 350 but he can do that and no but you can watch tv and watch the game and see this 21 year old kid dominate at bat and say yeah this is real like you don't need peripherals (laughs) it's live for everyone to see like that's true there's something to that for sure with the with the eye tests with a lot of guys 100 percent 
I'm, I'm, you know, I think he's, uh, it's just, you know, everyone thought he, he stole a hand full of bags because of Thor and, but he still kept it up this year. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. All right. So I want to go through some, um, some like late round picks, like guys that you may have, you know, targeted later in the draft and guys that really returned value for you to, you know, push your teams in, you know, a position to get good stats, you know, from a later round pick. Who was that guy for you this year? Let's start off with Jake. Who you got first? Who was that uh, guy for you? Let's see. I was getting, a ch- I was trying to pull up my teams here. The, the one that jumps to my mind, I mean, and Dave, Dave's going to laugh at Austin Nola, but yeah, it's, it, for me, it was Austin Nola. It was a guy that I was. Wait, wait, what? Late? What do you mean? Didn't you say late? A late guy? Yeah. Austin Nola was not. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about Aaron. Okay. You're thinking of Aaron Nola. (laughs) (laughs) Once you said said Austin the second time, you you realized. I I didn't misspeak, did I? All right. I thought he was going to say Austin Hayes, and then he said Austin, and he followed it up with Well, Austin Hayes didn't exactly deliver this year. Well, right, but like that was who you were on. Hmm. I was on him, but Austin Nola was one of my one of my late catcher targets, and um, you know he delivered for me in draft champions just because nobody was talking about him at the time because he didn't have a starting gig because Tom Murphy was not hurt yet. I, even though I, it looked like he was going to have like a maybe a forty percent share of the catching duties because Tom Murphy uh, is is clearly a platoon hitter, but um, you know even when I was trying to get him in the mains, that that was one of our. Uh, funny moments in my first main when the boys were helping me draft it. And I was just, I, I was having a good draft by our standards and it was like round 24 and I was eyeing Austin Nola and it was, you know, they were laughing at me that I, that I wanted him so badly. I got up to take a piss and he got picked right at right. You know, right when I was getting ready to pick him and I was freaking out about it and they were making fun of me for how much I was caring about a late round catcher so i i figured i'd just bring him up again i uh it was it was a solid season um you know catcher was catcher was horrendous this year right. pretty much all i mean the, it's, it's not like you saw catchers. this it's not like no, you no, saw no, this no. definitely but, not but i i saw a clear path to playing time yeah and and a good spot in a lineup that was fairly bad so it was right. he was going to likely stay there when and you're obviously he overperformed when you're a catcher, you're just looking for guys who are going to give you kind stats. Right. You want guys who are playing and, every day. And most guys you're picking after round 20 are going to be hitting eighth or ninth, and they're going to hit 220 and maybe hit, you know, 10 bombs in a year. Right. Year. And, like, you know, we, we were we were really big on uh, Kyrie Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was the same thing because he's right. going to be playing every day. And it was just right. because Plus he runs, but yeah. 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 Yeah, and he was much better than you would you, – I mean – it's not like you were expecting him to run as much as he was, but he yeah, did. he had more steals than like all catchers combined. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Sorry, Tony, go ahead. You kind of get blocked out here. No, you're good. Are are you wanting me to to comment on catchers? Yes, you please. Want... No, no, pick somebody else late that you uh, that you were in on that delivered. I mean, I I did get a lot of Bundy, but he kind of moved up toward the end of drafts um, of the shares that I didn't get refunded, but. I think the guys specifically to call out were on our main, um, both Teoscar Hernandez and uh, mm-hmm. Ian Happ. Yeah. Just because nice. I know that in the draft at that point, like we were, I think we got them like round 19 and 20 something. And at that point in the draft, we said, okay, we've got a need for power. 
like we just we 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 have to to figure out something here and those two guys we know we can at least count on to to get us some homers and then we're just kind of hopeful for the rest of it but when they actually hit for average and moved up in the lineup because I mean Hap was originally hitting ninth Teoscar was down at the bottom and by the end of the season they moved to the middle and um, they actually delivered solid batting average Teoscar stole a bunch of bags and honestly they outperformed some of our earlier hitters and saved the season for us yeah that was, uh, Ian Hap was in the 20th and Teoscar was in the 22nd and yeah I mean Ian Hap stopped stealing uh, but he was hitting for good power good average and Teoscar hit for average power and stole bases so yeah, they were they were both huge for us. And Hap ended up leading off, which in a season like this, right. that's gold. I mean, oh, there was so many extra ABs. I was definitely on that Teoscar end too. I he was the guy I was all in on. Yeah, you I, you you benefited from that a little bit. Yeah, hundred percent. I had him in that D in that in that DC draft um, that I had March sixth. I I got him three twelve. You know, and uh, there it goes. There the dogs go. And there you go. So, looks <laughs> like Tasker. Yeah, yeah, getting. Yeah, they hey, love they're, they're eating. They're eating high end kibble now, Tasker. Thank you. Yeah, dehydrated food, baby. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was definitely huge. You know, and um, even a simp like Jake, we were talking uh, before about Profar. Just you know. Again, I got him at you know three forty nine in that DC, and he just he put out like thirteen dollars of value and just playing every day and nothing spectacular, but um, just consistent. You know, weekend like just put in the volume, and that's what uh, it kept me afloat like a couple of weeks where I didn't I didn't have you know as many abs as I would probably have liked. Um, and then later on, I you know Chris Taylor, uh, Chris Taylor. And, that 462 Corbin Burns, uh, those two guys were just huge. Also, um, Christian Javier, I just I ended up like I just loved his profile for some reason coming into the season, and you know he was a guy I I, I targeted in like dynasty leagues and keeper leagues, and um, you know it's uh it's it's fun when you listen to like you know a whole bunch of pods and you hear people talk about you know maybe the same guys and when it comes into fruition like you know you're like all right like you know we know you know we know what we're talking like you know sometimes you just take a little snapshot like you know everyone it's on the same thing but when it comes through it's like ah nice you know that's that was good so um what kind of league do you guys play in besides nfbc that you guys mess with like dynasty keeper leagues or anything like that we're just straight up NFBC and that's it. Well, I honestly, this year I cut pretty much everything other than NFBC out. Okay. All of our, all of my home leagues have died. Um, it's been, it's been really hard for us. We, you know, between Dave, Tony and I, and a few other friends, we tried to keep a keeper league going for a little while. It, it just didn't hold. I was in a really, and Tony and I were in a really long standing keeper league that was, based on MLB salaries uh, and then Dave joined it later on that started in I want to say 20, that one ended. 2006 was it it was it was our senior year of college Tony right it was either senior or junior I think so yeah it, it was probably 2006 it lasted for about 12 13 years and it just recently crapped out also so you know we're getting we're getting old now and and most of our most of our local friends or friends from college don't really play anymore so 
Well, I mean, I mean, to be fair, the three of us are on a different level than the other people. Mm-hmm. Like in our keeper league, it's it. I I don't blame them for not wanting to keep yeah. it going because like. I think I won like four out of five years. I think Jake won one. Like, it's you know, I, I don't blame them for not wanting to keep it going. <laughs> yeah, it it was hard to keep people because there yeah. there wasn't a whole lot. Even when we reset it, it it didn't really do much of anything. So no, I mean we we I mean we just play on another level than them, and I, I don't mean that to sound like a dick, but like, no, but we put the time do. into it that they yeah, can. Yeah, so. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I did only NFBC this year. Usually all of us do fan tracks, uh, varying levels, hundreds, five hundreds, thousand occasionally. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I think that's, that's the only other one I do. Yeah. Dave does Yahoo. Uh, we used to do CDM. We did a lot of CDM drafting plays for years. Uh, but the, those kind of, they, they don't really uh, wet the whistle anymore for us. Right. Right. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's tough. You want to stay involved with like your friends and you know, keep doing things you've been doing for years. I definitely stayed involved with more things than I probably should have this year, but it's still fun, you know. Uh we did like a startup dynasty too like in the middle of the shutdown. We were like, "Hey, let's just is anybody interested?" you know, reading like ended up getting like the uh baseball HQ like minor league analyst you know and like read the whole fucking thing and i'm like i'm ready to do dynasty like there was nothing else to do like i wanted more like draft action so just created like more work to do during the season but it was fun it was great like um everything it was you know it was great great draft and competitive league and went down to the wire like so it was everything that i could ask for like in a league and my nephew 19 one 18 one he like Sweet. studied so That's hard cool. for it. Yeah, he was he was so amped up. He ended up beating my brother by a point and me by two points. And you know, he he put in his work and uh, you know, I showed him a couple things and he you know, he studied, he made it happen, you know, and he was on it. So it's pretty cool. Like like I said, like I wanted to trim all the other things, but you know, and then like I said, it was my first year going in T D N F B C and uh you know trying to see which contest like i liked or just like i mean i entered a whole bunch of different ones you know that's why i didn't enter like really multiples of one i was just trying to you know see what kind of contest that i would be interested in that just only put one entry yeah. into this dc <laughs> hey, okay. all you all you needed was one baby yeah you, know, you know what's wild i was just looking at I was just reviewing the I pulled some stats from the NFBC and um, for my, for the overall win, I, I was 2,344th in that bat. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I, I, when I, when I noticed that I was like, holy smokes. And I, so I just did like a quick, you know, um, calculated like run percentage and home run percentage based on like games played, you know, and for like RBIs, you know, I was, I ranked 126th overall in RBIs, even though, even though I had, you know, middle of the pack AVs, you know, so it was like 15th in run, like um, RBI percentage and run percentage, like per, per, like per games played and everything was just, off hey, the charts. Like, to win I, it overall, you got to run pure a little bit. There's no- <laughs> I, I just like, I didn't, I just didn't expect that, you know, when I was looking. Yeah, like, yeah that, really, that is crazy. Right. You know, I just didn't. What, how big was the, how big was the delta between you and the top uh, in terms of actual at-bats? Do you know? 
Oh, at bats. Um, yeah. How, yeah, how let, big are the different? How big was the difference? Let me bring it up real quick. Um, at bats was. That is, that is pretty wild. I mean, to be below. I mean, that's below mid pack even. Twenty three hundred. Yeah, the top at bats was two thousand nine hundred and eighty one, and I had. 2,497. Yeah, so, that's, that's 500. Wow. That's 500 AB difference from, yeah, I just, it just, the production I got per at-bats was really just, <laughs> just like awesome. everything aligned. Yeah. Everything just aligned perfectly. But um, yeah, so I enjoyed, you know, obviously I enjoyed that week. I know I'll be doing that again, but yeah. Um, yeah. I did. You do a I, couple more next year. Even. I do a couple more, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to do <laughs> 43, like no you're not heberlich don't don't do that crap and the other dude the, the you know the guy tyler jong was right behind me oh uh, yeah Ty, yeah he had three, like three there the was like 700 hand. pairs of socks in the top 100 yeah yeah <laughs> what were you talking about <laughs> my brother's like who's this guy with all the socks like, or different color socks yeah sage it was like socks was my maroon favorite socks spotted socks yeah it was sage yeah. socks was my favorite. but hey you know yeah he did like 20 something teams and he had he put a ton of them in the top 100 so that's that's not bad. Out, out of forty-two sixty, that's that's not bad at all. No, hundred so, percent. That's that's know. a that's a good player right there. I yeah. I hadn't heard of him before this, but he clearly knows what he's doing. I think so. I think he was up there in the main overall too, somewhere in the top thirty or something like that. Oh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, yeah. Um, no, he clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's no small feat by any stretch. No, no, that's super impressive. Super impressive, you know. And uh, I know I saw. Phil Dussault started a little thread about, you know, possibility of, you know, gaining interest in some other type leagues, some best balls. Best and uh, ball stuff, yeah. Yeah, because I did yeah, the cut but, line, but, and the cut line was cool. Like, I, you know, I did, I did one, you know, cut line league that I did pretty shitty in, and then I did, like, an athletic one for, like, all the subscribers for the athletic. Like, you know, they, they helped. And I did, like, 19th out of, like, you know – 1500 and it's 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 pretty cool i like the the two the two fab period it was definitely a little different um even though i almost missed the first one. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah I, I was like two hours before i'm like oh Sounds like there's, me. A, there's a fab for this oh man so yeah i would i would definitely like to do more where i didn't have to you know get involved with making lineups i think that's um it's pretty cool and i like i like just i like the deep roster type format you know i like the speculation um just trying to dig deep you know i think like we we can all i'm not going to say we can all accurately you know pick the top half of guys but you know it's just like okay you know all you have to do is minimize risk and you can get that top player pool and you know be you know in in the range of good but when you go deep it's you know that's why i really enjoy it like finding and that's why i enjoyed that dynasty league just like really trying to find different um you know, just go deep and uh, prospecting and speculating. I enjoyed that. So I hope they do some more formats where it's deeper rosters and we can just leave it, you know? I, I feel like a bit of a failure. Like I, I listen to a lot of pods and they it's there's a lot of people that are into Dynasty and in addition to doing NFBC. And I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I can't get that into it. I know Tony's probably a little different. He likes He likes prospecting a little more. It made me I just, better. I feel like there's not enough room in my head right. for all the minor leaguers. And even when we did our keeper league, we, we had a 
a three pair a three player minor league reserve and that was like stretching my limits you know i love 15 team uh roto i love the nfbc format I, that's kind of as deep as i prefer to go personally but i i feel like it's just going to make me in the long run better because yes, i hear that you know like looking at you know we had 15 we had like a a 30 a 30 man um active and 15 man minor and a uh, 20 sorry 20 it was 30 and 20 and um just going that deep i feel like i mean even in keeper league just kind of you know you're skimming the top 20 30 of best you know guys in the minors but when you're going deep i'm just thinking now in two or three years instead of trying to smash in so much um evaluation on a guy in limited time i'm just constantly looking at it now you know trying to squeeze it in now make room for it now so you know we're gonna have to make that assessment when a guy comes up in two or three years i think it should just be in a better position you know to evaluate you know how much how this guy be drafted you know to deserve a high fab like stuff like that for sure yeah and i mean that's that's exactly it is when you do stuff like that you're doing your research up front so that you don't have to do the additional research on top of it. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's the same argument with stuff like like daily. Like, yeah, it's a lot of extra work, but when you're when you're studying that stuff on the side, then you go to, to do season long, and suddenly you feel really well prepped. Like, hey, I know all the splits, guys, or hey, I know like what what matchups I want to target. Same thing with the dynasty is when these prospects get called up, or when when you're trying to figure out who might who might make an impact. You already know the names because you've researched them all. So yeah, I mean, it might not be your your favorite format to do but even if not it's still really really good prep just for season long definitely i 100 percent agree like like i said i, I thought the keeper league just being the keeper league did it but just even this brief little run in, into the dynasty so far the first year and it's like quite really um really gonna help you know it it is a lot to squeeze in it's a lot of it's a lot of brain time and you know like oh yeah you know, you know, it's, it's really, uh, but I guess it's, you know, we're investing into our, into our skills, into our, you know, into what we like to do. So anything that can maybe make you a little better, you know, and uh, or worse either, you know, I think I've learned more about what not to do than what to do. You know, when I play fantasy, like that's your first quick lesson. It's like, all right, that doesn't work. <laughs> oh man. So, all right. When it comes down to preparing for a draft, um, I know a lot of people spend some time like trying to find like all the different, how people, how players are different in so many areas. What I like to do sometimes is just like see who's very alike and then just see why they may be going higher or lower in the draft and try to leverage, you know, the ADP like that. Um, what are some of your like, you know, tried and true like this you know not without giving away the whole world like you know how do you like to go and and establish uh, like your first set of play evaluation like in terms of you know groups of players like you do power you speed or like you know if you want to walk through like you know just what you like to do yeah well so a lot of what we talk about doing is we look for those stats that are tough to find early on and the big thing is in an overall, in an overall competition, you need to get steals. Um, but you don't want to get those steals only guys, because a lot of times those guys 
are shitty hitters and they lose their jobs, you know, like Billy Hamilton or Malik Smith this year. And so to avoid that, you want to make sure you're getting steals as part of the package from the players that you're getting early on. So we always target guys like that. Like we, like Tony and I drafted uh, Jose Ramirez in the first round because he gives you steals, but also is a good hitter. He gets you homers, RBI runs, you know, solid average. Um, and that's the thing. Like we want to get those, those categories early on that are difficult to find later. So like the guys that are power only guys that hit like 250 with 35 to 40 homers, like you can find those anywhere in the draft pretty much. I mean, like we took Teoscar Hernandez, you know, Gritchick was another guy we were into. Right. Uh, CJ Crone was another guy. So you're talking about like guys who are similar and it's like, what's the difference between those guys and like Matt Olson or uh, uh, Matt Chapman? Like, like they might be slightly better with slightly more power, but it's like, you're getting the same stats. Like those guys aren't running. They're not hitting for good average. So you're getting the same stats as them. You're just getting it far later. So that's kind of how we like to go about things is we, we want to get the stats that are tough to get early on. And then later we can get those power only guys pretty much all throughout the the draft. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that approach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the combo guys too, like Dave said, they do mitigate your risk in terms of injury or in terms of someone underperforming. But it's also something where the, the the combo guys, the high average guys that actually do something, like that skill set is a lot harder to find as you go deep into draft. And so right. like one of the things that I'll do when I'm I'm looking at an overall pool is I'll say like, okay, what skills are in abundance? What skill sets are really hard to come by? And then prioritize those guys who you're, you're not necessarily able to find that profile later. Like Dave was saying, you can find sloppy power really, really late in drafts. Like you can pick up power all over the place, but it's something where you're picking up that power with bad batting average. And so if you target guys with higher batting average, you, you get combo guys so that you don't necessarily have to reach for some of these extreme players. Um, then, then by doing that, you're, you're able to build yourself a better base so that when you get in the back end of the draft, you're not panicking. You're not saying, oh, shoot, I need a Malix because I'm, I'm, I drafted all these, these low-speed low guys, and now I'm stuck where I need to catch up on steals. If you're, if you're saying combo guys are the way to go, then you fill your early roster with that, and then you're not reaching. And so a, a lot of it is, is just figuring out in any given year what skills are really – rare to find and then just prioritizing those guys even right. over guys who you may think this guy might be a better hitter but i just don't need what he brings to the table right right and you know it's it's interesting i read um a couple of articles before the year i think like todd zola wrote and like he was explaining how i think last year uh, a lot of the guys who rostered like akuna and and Yelich, they they dra- like they knew they were getting speed, but they drafted like too much additional speed afterwards, you know, and like was almost like too much speed and they didn't go like get enough power after that. Um, so it's an interesting approach because you don't know, you know, what these guys are going to, you know, how they're going to run or, you know, if they have the drive to run, you know, it's, it's such a tricky stat and obviously there's less and less of them. So wh- what do you guys stand on like, so, you know, 
with power and speed. So is your is your theory like, okay, so there's less deals, so you need less of them to compete? Or do you feel like you need to be in that range to at least just put, you know, get in the top three or five, or are you trying to win it? I, I remember the what you were referring to with Zola. Yeah, I, I remember being kind of taken aback by that. Like right. I, I, I'm, I'm always in the camp of you can never draft enough speed. Now that's not, not to say like I have a lot of speed and I'm going to draft say a Malik's, but you know, that we, we've always subscribed to the philosophy that the combo guys are the way to go. Uh, I specifically, I feel like I target average and runs and batting order a decent amount. Uh, I don't know if it's more than the other guys, but I do kind of prioritize uh, runs and average a little bit more, but yeah, we're, we're always looking for combo guys. Cause we know, I mean, we, we've been doing this a while. We know there's a lot of sloppy power that you can grab and, and what's the most plentiful thing that you're going to find on the wire. It's definitely not speed. Right. So I, I, I don't feel like you can draft too much speed as long as you're not taking rabbits. I'll take as many combo guys as I can, as long as uh, their batting profiles are solid. Like I'm it's it, Mondesi is not another and not a guy that we target either, even though he has some power, but you know, guys, guys, with good average, good runs. Yeah. Uh, and, and a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think I actually targeted that a little more this year than normal. I think I, I beefed that up a little bit. I was just looking for like high contact guys who, like you said, you know, hit high in the lineup, um, have a tendency to, you know, try to steal a little bit. And um, I, Definitely did well in most like my stone base departments, um, but slipped down a little bit in power. But you know, whatever. Yes, you got to yeah. get that trade off. You know, you got to pick your. It's just um, sometimes you you know you just either they don't give you as much power as you thought, or you know, vice versa. Um, I, I just yeah, don't it, want to, go ahead, Tony. Sorry, I just don't want to leave a draft needing average and steals right is any guy who you're getting off the wire to try to fix those issues is either going to be someone who's really lucky and you can't depend on them or they're going to be very empty in other stats mm -hmm. like there are average fixers out there but a lot of the reason why they're out there is because they don't do anything else right yep and yeah i mean like stuff. you had like solano and iglesias this year right. i mean iglesias ended up pretty good but i mean neither of them really give you power or speed so you're pretty much just getting those counting stats and the average yeah right that those and, and those guys it's just so tough to to roster them and say hey they're getting me one category because then if they slump then they're really just absolutely killing you absolutely Whereas, great point yep if, if you if you're short on power there's always guys who come out even even if it's just something where, hey, they're hot right now and they're hitting a lot of homers and they're not necessarily a guy who you'd hold for the whole season, you can plop them in and, and still still benefit that way. And, th and there's just so many guys who, who through the course of the season are going to hit for power at one point or another. But, yeah, it's really, it's really tough to, to count on, on getting a good average guy or a good steals guy to, to make up a deficit. Like, if anything, to Jake's point, I would rather have too many steals and say, okay, I need to – need to sit a steals guy and find a power guy versus right. being in the opposite situation where it's like, all right, well, I can get this sloppy steals guy who plays half his games, but he might get me two steals and no counting stats and a crappy average. Like that's the kind of stuff that's really, really dangerous to do. I agree. Yeah. You definitely don't want to get, and I, I'm in, I'm a no Malik Smith. Those profiles don't, they don't fit into my roster ever. Uh, stay away from it completely. 
what is your number one like what do you look at besides like stolen base total what's your go-to like metric or anything you look at to you know to try to you know speculate on speed um i think the i i read somewhere that the uh first to or home to first uh better that, than sprint that, right yeah, because I, I think yeah. it's better than than sprint speed because I, I mean I don't know what the exact reason is, but um, I exact, think that's... the exact reasoning is because I, I I'm actually reading a book called Future Values. It's like you know how they're merging. Um, it's it, it's written by Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs, and it's just about mm -hmm. how they're merging like you know um, old school scouting with new school analytics. It's really fascinating, and the home to first time if it gets skewed by if it's a solid hit where the guy doesn't have to run it out, you know? So they mostly look at first to second, like on a double where he might have to get in securely to second, because then you get a true estimate of this guy taking off. He's going for it. You know, it's like a lot of times that first, to uh, that home to first has to be on a true grounder where, you know, but even then too, you know, how do you gauge it if a runner is like Robinson Hano and it's like, ah, you know, I don't have to run this fast because right. I'm not going to beat this out. So it's like a really, you know, it's like, and I think that's why they go with that. Um, but, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. I know, like, you know, I've read a couple articles, people talking about the pop time and, you know, that's just like another level that I haven't ventured into yet of like, you know, the batteries and, you know, which, you know, have you ever targeted like pitchers? Like um, if you know, like a stolen base thread is facing a guy who's, you know, slow to the mound. Is, is that uh, slow to the plate? Is that something you realistically like, looking for? Only in the extremes. Only um, in the extremes. You know, okay. Everybody, everybody yeah. knows about Thor. Everybody knows about how, you know, Lester couldn't hold guys on that kind of stuff. Sure. Right. I, right. I don't think I went ever further than that really. Right. Okay, cool. I, mean, I, I think a lot of it is when, when you're like, if you're looking outside of metrics, a lot of it is how willing is a team to run. Right. Like, you, you do look into pitchers who, who allow a lot of steals. You look at catchers who just can't throw guys out. I mean, if you're, if you're digging deep in there, um, you can, you can find some advantageous matchups, but again, it's, it's tough because when you own those steals guys, a lot of times you're just playing them no matter what, just because you need the speed. Right. And so it's not quite something that you can do as often as say, Hey, we've got three hitters on our bench. Like this guy mashes lefties. He faces three lefties. Let's slot him in. It's something where if you've got a speed guy, like the odds of you having this garbage speed guy on your bench, or you're going to play in situational matchups is probably not super high. Or if it is, it's, it's more of a desperation play. So it's plus he's got to get on base and absolutely guys right. aren't high end hitters or anything. That's what I was going to say. Like, you know, that's pretty much the, you know, way to start, right? Like, does this guy have a chance to steal, <laughs> you know, behind him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they got, you know, big, you know, got Nelson Cruz behind him. And, you know, Jorge Polanco is not going to have to run. You know, that kind well, of I was going to say part of the reason that we liked uh, Juan Soto to run more this right. year because Rendon left. Right. So I think when you don't have that guy that like really like big stud hitter behind you, you can run more. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. So listen, have you guys checked out any of the two early mocks yet? Any of that ADP? 
<clears throat> only only from listening to pods. I haven't looked at the list. Okay, so I got some guys. I wrote down some, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole list. I haven't, I'm not partaking in any of the drafts, but I think it's really cool that uh, Smarter, right? That's his name. And mm-hmm. he, yep. yeah, he, he lists all the, all the results of the draft. Pretty awesome that we get to check it out and, you know, maybe, um, See who's drinking too much and yeah, he and Mason, stuff. he and Mason get all the degenerates together and yeah, it's fucking all, it's, it's cool, it's awesome. Like I should have like now, like I'm, I'm looking back, I'm like I should have got involved with this, but you know. So I was taking um, taking a look. So first guy caught my eye, just going down the list was Nolan Arenado. He's right now average and uh, uh, of the nine league dead of yesterday was twenty five point nine, the as low as um th- thirty seven. Do you think that's too low? For Nolan Arenado, it's it, we've we've been kind of low guys on Arenado to begin with. We've okay. never we've never thought Arenado was a first round pick. Okay, well, do you think uh, he's the thirty seventh? Ah, it's tough to say because it kind of right. depends on where he ends up. Right. Um, yeah. part the thing with him is he doesn't give you any speed, but he's also not like an elite average guy. Like he could hit over three hundred, but he usually doesn't. Like he's usually in that. 290 to 300 area which is fine and that's even in that park that also buoys average so right right and and that's the thing like if he's somewhere other than cores you know the average becomes a concern too so not only are you not getting speed but you're not getting average too so like the you know he'll still hit a home run so still hit for a good i mean he'll probably be a good run run rbi producer but um it just I, I, what am I getting from him that I can't get in other places later? So right. I, I right. just, it's not, it's not a guy that I want to take in the first two rounds. Do you think the discount is coming from, from, from him um, being hurt though? Like right now, you think he's slipping in the draft because he's hurt? I mean, cause I mean, his, his, his skills across the board haven't really plummeted like tremendously it, it just looks like he might have been playing hurt because it looks like kind of sold out his power for a little more contact you know his contact rate went up his and his power metrics went down but i mean coming around you know pick 36 37 you think you, sh- you still think he can give you 30 100 even at that spot and that is that something that's something you're really out on at that point you're saying I, I think that a lot of it is the uncertainty around his situation right he yeah, doesn't want to be there right Right, it's somewhere. If he does go somewhere else, like again, it doesn't. If if he does regress, like let's say he leaves Colorado and he goes somewhere where you would expect his batting average to dip, if he goes into a less favorable park and loses some homers off the top of that, like that's not a profile that we're looking to draft that high to begin with. Like if he's going in the second round, that's something where today's point you're not getting any steals there. And yeah, if he does hit for elite average and great power, good counting stats, then that is a guy who you can justify taking at that point. But if he goes somewhere that's going to drain him a little bit, then you could end up getting a guy in the second round that you could get like way later in the draft. And I had, I mean, for me, that uncertainty is just too much because that that's, that's a lot of risk that you're taking with an early pick of just saying, Hey, where, where I could normally get a, a really, really good combo guy, or I can get a a near elite starter. Now I'm going to get a guy who might be a regression risk and isn't going to steal for me. Like once his, his destination is figured out, then 
I think it's worth reevaluating, but my guess is that his ADP is falling just because people are, are scared where he might end up. Right. Yeah. And, that, and, and, you know, and that's something, cause I know you mentioned recency bias before, but this is something where like, um, primacy bias, I think it's primary bias, like the first, you know, your, your first impression of Nolan Arenado was just, he's the guy, like he's going to give you this. And, and I think that's what keeps him even floating this high, right. You know, if he doesn't have that profile that we love, but you know, and especially if he might leave. And I think, just think that it's like the hanging on of what he used to be, you know, that keeps a lot of guys afloat so many times in fantasy when they should be actually kicked lower, you know, but they keeps them, it keeps them around. I mean, he had, he had a down year across the board last year. There's no question about it. Um, when you say down, uh, uh, yeah, last when year, last year, like uh, this year, this, <laughs> this year, you keep doing, you keep doing that. All right. Uh, maybe say, by say the, the maybe the maybe year. by the time it's December, I'll get it, and then I'll have to change. But anyway, 2020, it was a down year, even at home. I mean, he he only hit 271 in Coors. That's horrendous for him. But there was only a 44 point difference between his home and away average. No, he's usually way worse than that. It's usually a more drastic split. I mean, the, the two years prior, it was almost 100 points in batting average of difference. He's, long story short, if he's anywhere but Coors, he's not draftable in the first seven rounds, let alone the third round. I mean, he, he's not going to hit above 260 if he's anywhere but Coors over a full season. You heard I, it here, I folks. Mean, you heard it here first, folks. I, mean, I don't. I don't see any reason to. Right? I mean, if there's any uncertainty, he's going to be in cores. I wouldn't take that chance. In in 2016, his barrel rate was 8.2%. In 2017, it went down to 7.9, and then in 2018, down to 7.2. 2019, down to 6.8, and then the short season down to 5.4. It's it's been steadily declining for him. Like he's making less and less good contact and. I think he's just been being saved by Coors where, I mean, if he was anywhere other than Coors, it, it's going to be ugly. So do I want him in the first three, even four rounds? Probably not. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good dig right there. Totally, totally makes sense. So it's like, you know, the first, the first impression, the first ADP of him still like he slipped down, but it's it, still, it is shocking to see still, like, cause we're no, not, no, yeah. I mean, he's been in right. the, you know, first two rounds for five years since like, right. what 2014 when he had his breakout. Right. Yeah. So I went down a little further right at ADP um, average ADP of 37, three slash 37, four, two guys stuck right to each other, Jose Abreu and Marcelo Zuno. So I want to know from you guys, who would you rather of the two? Marcelo Zuna and who's the other one? Jose Abreu. Oh, Abreu. Both going at around 37 and a half right now, average ADP. Who would you rather have, Jake? Um, ah, man, I, I, I want to say Abreu just because of the position. Um, okay, good point. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel that's a hair high for Ozuna. As much as I like him, I think that's a little too high for his skill set as an outfielder. I'm not going to draft an outfielder that doesn't steal a lot of bags that high. So I would probably go Abreu, but I'll I'll say with I'm 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 probably not going to draft either of them at that price. Okay, Dave. Yeah, I mean I lean towards like Jake said, you know, first base is uh, 
is pretty rough, especially because we're we're not taking Bellinger early on, so he's not really a consideration. And Ozuna's not really running anymore. I mean, I know he stole 12 bases in 2019, um, but the fact that he didn't steal anything this year kind of makes me feel like he I, – I, I don't feel like I can depend on him for those steals anymore. That could be um, a team thing, too, a little it bit. It could be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he that's just, tough. Yeah. I feel. I mean, I feel like Abreu is definitely the, the safe option, and I and I like getting the positional value for first base. Where I feel like that's probably my answer, even though um, Ozuna might have a higher ceiling, but I think he also has a, a lower floor. Tony. Yeah, I mean, if I had to give an answer, it would be Abreu just because of the position. But my real answer is neither. It's just when when you're taking a guy that high, you're taking two guys coming off monster years that they're probably going to see some regression off of. They don't steal. I just, that's not the kind of guy that I'm interested in the third round. Um, like I said, I think, I think Abreu has got a very safe profile. I wasn't on him this year, um, but you're, you're paying for power that he really hasn't shown. Um, and uh, I just, well, I, I don't like paying up for career years, especially with guys that don't, fit the profile of what I would take in the early rounds. So my real mm-hmm. answer is neither, but if I had to pick, it would be a very All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, both of those, I kind of agree that they're both a little high-ish. Um, it, but they both, you know, I'm not knocking any of them at all because they're just, I think, very stable in what they bring to the table, you know. And um, just looking at the uh, stack cast percentile ranks for Ozuna, 99th percentile next X Woburn, um, X Slug 98, X ISO 98, just across the board in the 90s. And his sprint speed is still pretty solid in the you know high 50s. Um, again, yeah, I wouldn't take them that high, but I think if I had to, you know, making a choice, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm it, it depends where Ozuna lands, but if he stays with the Braves, I think I'm gonna just lean him a little bit with that upside, just getting a couple more stone bases. Than Abreu, but both of them I think think are steady Eddies, you know. I think Abreu. I think the main thing, the main thing is you don't want to draft guys coming off career years. It you're always gonna you're you're gonna be basically gonna be able to take them where they're gonna have to reproduce what they just did in order to return value. You want to find the next Abreu and the next Ozuna. You don't want to draft them those players in the next year because you're gonna be paying full freight and uh, pretty much that's we don't we don't do that. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so this next one I found pretty interesting, and um, because it's it pits it pits a one of um my you know my staple um, core guys I like to build around in Stalin Marte. Um, he's at an average of forty two six right now with um uh twenty nine. He's gone as high as twenty nine, as low as fifty eight, versus a guy right next to him, Kyle Tucker who's gone as high as 25 and as low as 51. I've loved Marte. I've liked to, you know, I've loved to build my teams around his, his skill set. Um, and I, I dove in a little bit to this and I was just really impressed with Tucker's Don. I want to get you guys opinion on that. I kind of know probably which way you're going to lean because of the risk assessment, but I just like to hear your thoughts on maybe what you've seen from Tucker this year and, and Marte. Ah, I might, I might surprise you a little bit on this one. I'm we're, Give it we to are, me. Ooh, he's about to give it to me, here. baby. Right, let's, let's, oh, let's we're, go. 
we're we're big Marte guys, that's for sure. I right. mean, we are. like you, we've been building around Starling Marte for years. Yeah, he's a fairly good uh, contact rate guy. He doesn't walk a lot, but he produces, and we we love getting the speed early. If we're drafting an outfielder, we want to get the speed. I I, I don't know, man. Uh, looking at Kyle Tucker's underlying stats, I, I was a bit shocked at how good he was. I expected to see a lot worse uh, uh, contact skills than I did. I, I I haven't dove into it fully, but uh, I I might be leaning that way over Marte now. It, it kind of depends on if I think Tucker's going to have a good spot in that batting order because I, I still don't know what the Astros are going to do with him because they jerked him around for so long. I mean, you you know, Marte is going to be a center a centerpiece in that Marlins lineup next year because they only got him for the for next year. So it, I it's hard for me to say right now, but uh, if if it looks like Tucker's going to be hitting like no lower than fifth in that Astros lineup, I may lean that way. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you 100. Um, percent I I think that Tucker. The one thing is, average wise, you're probably only going to get like a 270 average, but right. with Marte. The problem is, you know, we always say don't draft old speed. Yeah. Marte is going to be 32. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, do you still trust that speed to be there? You know, he, he stole 10 bases in the short season, which is awesome. Um, he stole 25 in 2019, 33 in 2018. I, it's just a hard, for, in a full season, it's hard for me to trust Marte to steal over 25. Like, and it's probably going to be closer to 20. Whereas I, I mean, with Tucker, he's 23. Like, he could easily steal. I mean, we've seen him st- in 2019. He stole 35 bases. So, yep. I just feel like you're banking more homers and steals with with Tucker. I don't think you're gonna have the, the and same RBI. Pass. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that plays into it too. Yeah, Marte's and I, probably I, gonna be hitting second. Yeah, yeah, Tucker's probably gonna be more in the middle of the lineup, and Marte's probably more of a front of the lineup guy. So I, I think I would probably go Tucker there for right now. Nice. Yeah, honestly, that I, I'm in the same boat, and for a lot of the same reasons. Is with with Tucker, I think you're seeing a guy who's ascending. I mean, I think he's got a 30-30 season in him at some point. Yeah, Marte. I he, I mean, he's as solid as they come. I take both of these guys over Abreu and Ozuna, but right. I think the that with with Marte, there is that risk where older speed guys don't they, they they don't get any better at it. They're you're you're hoping for for the speed to just stay the same, but every now and then you see these guys slowly just step down, step down, and then drop off a cliff. Like at some point they just stop running. Not that I think that's going to happen with Marte this year, but I think the the Tucker you're 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 trading like like they said you're trading average here. And you're getting additional power, but I also think you are removing the downside of an older player. And like, yeah, like, exactly. like Jake Tucker right. is a good hitter, and I'm not that scared of any kind of regression from him. So I think I'm in that same boat. I would but it's like, yeah, it's like we see Luis Robert going higher than both, like all the guys we've been talking about in some some of these two early mocks. And I, like I I take Tucker easily over him. I don't. I don't think Robert is going, or Robert, or whatever is going. I don't think he's going above Tucker. Is he? Uh, I saw. I know. I saw. I. I believe it was. It was Jenny Butler said he. He went. Uh, his ADP was like twenty five or something like that. I think she said four. Didn't she say forty five? Oh, I don't think it was forty five. 
I thought maybe it was, was 35. Third, maybe it was, it was 35. I thought it was the end of the third round. Uh, I'll look back. You talk. I'll so 1530, 45. I think it was 45. I could be wrong, but 35. Sorry, I'm right. We're oh. splitting the difference. 35. Okay. So, right. so first half of the second, uh, third round. Um, but, yeah, where's, I, but where's Tucker going? Uh, what'd you say? 38. So just ahead of him. I mean, okay. I take Tucker over him right easy. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would take and Tucker even, over Robert. Even as high as Lou Bob went as high as 16. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's I, I, lo- I love Lou Bob. And, you know, we talked about this a, a bit on our retrospective pod on High Stakes Heat, but right. um, we, we like Lou Bob, but like Jake said, it might not come all at once. Like, I do think he's going to progress. Will it all come next year? I don't know. I think, I think Tucker is more further along, and his, and his contact skills are much, much better than Lou Bob's, where I would definitely prefer to take – like. Tucker's upside in homers and steals is every bit as much as, as Lou Bob's. Lou Bob just doesn't have the contact skills of Tucker, right. so I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, right. That's what I was really impressed with. I mean, just – I mean, even his, his reach rate was, you know, around league average for such a young kid. It's, you know, it's pretty impressive. He's aggressive in the zone, you know, hit, swinging at good pitches, um, good contact rate, and, you know, the strikeout percentage at 20, 20%, that's really impressive. You know, the walk rate is yeah. the average. And it's Big just, jump there. Right. right. It's just, you know, and um, even his, you know, his his spray chart, you can see he's hitting it everywhere. You know, the, uh, I think, eight or nine, you know, nine triples, you know, and, you know, that's just a test to his speed as well. Like, you know, I was really impressed. Like I said, when I was looking into it as well, and I was like, wow, like, you know, just just writing them down, you know, as like just being some like a good dive to go head to head because I saw them right next to each other, and then putting up the stats, I said, "Wow, this is, you know Tucker really," and 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 you know and, and and it's funny because you know we always have to remind ourselves too, like this is what we wanted them in there for, yeah. right? It's not like this is out of nowhere. This is right. what everyone saw and everyone yeah. thought he would be, and he is it. So sometimes we're still so reluctant what? to say, well, you know, is it real? You know, <laughs> even though we, we've known it could be real and it's here and it's just, just people still like, yeah, you know, maybe, but no, I'm in, I'm in on him. And, uh, you know, it really jumped off the page for me. You're so right. I mean, we, it, it's like we've been waiting for this for a couple of years and yeah. the Astros have just jerked us around and not put him in there and kept throwing Reddick out there. It's like, it's like we got jaded before he even got a chance to show us anything. We, we pretty much anybody could see that this was well within the realm of possibility. So right. I don't think there's any doubt that the kids a third round pick. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm in for that. 100%. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, you know, a word from our sponsor. Make that money. Make that money. Let me pause this. Pause this? Okay. Yeah. Zoom recording. Here we go. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get right into the ADP analysis again. So I'm going to look at Kyle Hendricks, the next guy I want to bring up. His main event ADP last year, uh, this year, 2020, Jay, this year, was um, average of 143, min was 100, max 164. Right now, he's at 75.9 average ADP, as early as 47, and as low as 101. So I'm just going to say I love me some Kyle Hendricks. I you know like to have him as much as I can as like a nice stabilizer-type starting pitcher. But what got 
so much better. Have you seen anything that got so much better that jumps him up this much right now? I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it seems like he got a little bit more pub this year. I, I not not that's kind of narrative street, but I, I feel like he was talked about more this year. It, people may have gotten a little jaded on him last year. Um I don't know. We've been we as a group have been drafting him for a while. He's been one of Dave's boys for a long time. Oh yeah. Thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, not not disagreeing with the just a you know, a seventy pick, you know, average jump, you know, from you know I feel to, like I feel like a couple of years ago he was almost that high. And then okay. last year last year was a pretty fair dip, I feel like. Okay. We, you know, like I said, we've been drafting him for a while. He was like an eighth, ninth round pick. Um but yeah, I, I I, he's the same guy. He's still throwing 88 and getting it done. Uh, he had less chance for blowups this year. He's usually good for a couple really bad stinkers, but like you said, he's a stabilizer. He's, I, I don't know if I'm huge on drafting him at 79 because then he's your, I guess he could be your SP three at that point, but he's more likely your SP two. Yeah, more likely. Right. Uh, I like him as an SP four personally, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, totally opposed to taking him there but i'm a, i'm less likely yeah i think I mean, oh god his adp last year was just too low and i mean right. even it was even a, in, yeah. in the season like in the draft season leading up to it everyone was commenting like why is hendrix going this low this adp is a steal and he just i mean he got pushed up a little bit but not to the point where it was it was bad value it was still great value i i don't I don't really get that big of a jump other than, I mean, yeah, his, his, his walk rate improved this year, but you could like, there's so many guys who had low whips this year that you can argue. It's just something that needs to normalize, but I mean, he's, he's a safe guy. And maybe that's the the argument is that, that when, when you're seeing all these risky pitchers, you know, pretty much what you're going to get out of him. And there's, there is a value to saying, Hey, I know I'm not flushing this pick down the toilet. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the I think you nailed it there. There there's there's so much to that. There's you know, that's such a big part of, you know, when you roster a guy. A thousand percent agree. So he's right now ahead of Carlos Carrasco, Sixto Sanchez, Plesak, Strasburg, Granky, Wheeler, Luzardo, Berrios, Bundy, Paddock. You do you agree with like him being ahead of those guys? Some of them. Some of them? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're, we're, yeah, I'm we're, sorry. I know Plesak for sure. You know, yeah, we're, we're going to be can, we're going to be Plesak. Even Carrasco, like you, you don't like Carrasco more. Maybe? Can you read read that list again? Yes. For people? Okay, so you have Hendricks at 70, 75, 9, Carrasco at seventy nine nine, Sixto Sanchez at eighty, Plesak at eighty point three. Strasburg 83, Greinke 83, Wheeler 87, Luzardo 94, Berrios 95, Bundy 97, Paddock 102. Yeah, so I'm definitely, I mean, I don't know if on our pod I talk about Plesak. We're, we're there. Yeah, we're there. 100%. I'm with the, I'm with the Plesak. Plesak for me is, is way higher than a lot of these guys, but um, I'm, I'm putting him ahead of Hendricks too because he yeah he has he has that upside and he's got honestly even better control than Hendricks as hard as is to believe but he also has better stuff so um, Plesek's above him uh, Carrasco's above him uh, Granky I don't know I, I'd have to look into Granky versus Hendricks that's that's a, that's a, they're yeah, very I mean, they're very similar pitchers and and they give you the same things 
Um, go ahead, Jake. I'll let you. Uh, I, no, I mean, I, as, as you read the list, uh, list a second time, Rob, I'm. It's just Plesak and Carrasco for me. I, yeah, I, those it, are the two definitely. Sixto's close. Granky's close, but he's I, um, Hendricks is above all the other guys. Okay. I don't. I don't know. With I'll be honest with you. With Sixto, I didn't have any Sixto this year. I have to look into what he did. But um, looking into it now, it looks like he only has seven point six K per nine rate. I, I'm. I can't see myself taking him over Hendricks. Right. Understood. Yeah, you know he's a young kid, and I and I love the promise. And that that was his profile coming in. It, you know, he wasn't. I think in the minors, like a huge strikeout. No, guy, he never he's was. Just, he's just, you know, he's just just a solid pitcher. Um, but again, I'd rather have the the veteran at that point. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, I was thinking for sure, Pulisic, um, even Carrasco. Um, what about Berrios and Bundy? I, I Tony, never, what do you think about? I know you're a Bundy guy. guy, right? I mean, you I'm had Bundy. A, I'm a huge Bundy guy. I you're a big Bundy guy. guy. I, I don't know. Bundy versus Hendricks is a tough one. Yeah, it's, it's because again, you're with, with with those guys. There is upside, but at the same time, I think there's a lot more uncertainty. And again, when you're it when, when you're in the early rounds, you really don't want to blow it on those picks. You don't want to get a guy. Like invest a lot of capital in the guy and just have him completely flop. Not that I think that either of those guys would flop. I just think there's more certainty with Hendricks. Right. But I mean, it it also does depend on how you want to build your rotation out because he does not get you any strikeouts, and so you have to you have to get guys who are gonna gonna K alongside him in order to be able to to justify including him. Otherwise, you're gonna be chasing chasing K's all year. So yeah, I know. Uh, I definitely. I definitely agree with what you pinned on, like, you know, how you want to build it. Like, I guess you can also say, like, if you, you know, if your SP1 and SP2 would just sound like, you know, injury-free, um, well, as much as you can look at it injury-free and just bank on innings, you know, you can take that more of a risk with, like, a Bundy at three when if you maybe took on a little more risk with picks, you know, like SP1 or SP2, you would, you know, try to turn it back with Hendricks, you know? So yeah. I guess yeah, it, it all depends on what what you're walking into. Um, just thought like it was just a little, you know. Obviously, I wasn't really on how much his ADP changed last year, but um. All right, so what about Mister? I'm killing the ball in the playoff, John Carlos Stanton. Obviously, we all know his injury history, and um, I want to just put that aside for a second. And again, we'll go back to this, you know, team build. So, you know, let's just say you're rolling in with the, you know, you you. You like who you're picked with, you know, offense and pitching, and you've really assessed, you've really taken on like no immediate, like inherent risk. Do you take him at that at that where he's going one hundred four three right now as low uh, as high as eighty three as low as one thirty? Like if you if you just have a perfect build for your team, and you know, what do you have to what what would it take for you to roster? I know you guys. Uh, I'm big too. I'm minimizing that risk. Like, but what, what what would it have to take for you to take a guy like that at that at that range? Can you uh, can you tell us who else is going around that range? Yeah, at 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 one oh um, at one oh four we have. All right, so I'll start at um a hundred. Tommy Pham, Max Muncy, Rizzo, Stanton, Kyle Lewis. Andrew Vaughn, but he was only picked in one league, Andrew Vaughn. Um, 
Jeff McNeil, Dan B. Swanson, Jose Altuve, Will Smith, Will Myers in that range. Okay. So I'll give you, all right, so Stanton or Jeff McNeil at that point in the draft? Jeff McNeil for sure. Okay. Um, you're, you're getting flexibility. You're getting elite average. He's still got some power. Neither of them provide steals, and I don't trust Stanton to stay healthy like ever. I mean, here, here's the problem for me is that when I would want to take Stanton is when I really, really need power. Like I, I want a guy who's got a massive power ceiling. And so I'd, I'd be willing to take a risk because that's the thing. I mean, his injury history is just terrible. And so, you know, right. at some point the guy is probably going to go on the IL and you're going to have to, you're going to have to fish around and, and, and deal with it. And so I, when I would want to take him is when I need to take that gamble in order to, fix the power on my team. But at the same point, when you take a guy who has serious injury issues to fix something and then he gets hurt, then you're completely screwed. Right. And so it's just, I, I can, I can see why people would be interested in taking that risk. It's just not, it's, it's not a risk that I would take lightly. I would really have to feel good about the, the power sources on my team, because if I'm depending on Stanton, I just don't think you can ever depend on him. If you're taking him as a as a guy who you say, hey, you know what, I'm already good on power. This he would make me elite if he actually stays healthy and you want to take that risk. I mean, you, you can, but I I'm just I'm just so afraid of the injury issues because it's he's got he's got one of the longer histories in baseball. And yeah, he had those like couple seasons where he strung together a full year, but in general you're expecting him to miss a lot of games. He's it, it's honestly the the ADP is later than I would have expected just because of how many stands there are out there for Stanton. Um, even if I had the perfect build, yeah, I, I'll admit I would be a little tempted. Right. But right. I think I think I've been trained to resist <laughs> that temptation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with you guys. You know, it's it, it, it's definitely a big risk take. Uh, just like I say, you know, just even at that point, you know, if and if at that point you've already rostered, like I said, just a, a, a team that you feel good about getting at bats, uh, you know, like if you started with like something like a Merrifield Marte type, then you know, you can, you know, you have just consistent at bats, and at some point, you know. We inherit risk at some point in the draft. It's obviously just where you want to take it. You know, I just feel like at that point, you know, I, I wouldn't be in at 60, 70, 80, but 100, like and next to Kyle Lewis like, and yeah. Max Muncy, yeah. I'll take it it's, at that point. Those are I'm guys looking. with warts too. I right. Mean, Boom. 100%. Yeah, well I, I, I will say that, that the ADP of 100 does make it at least a thought. Yeah. Because before, I mean, my – my instant reaction to seeing Stanton go in like the thirties and forties is just like, Nope, I'm out. Not taking him. doesn't matter. Right. But he's going that late. I think you at least have to consider it, which is more than I've had to do in past years. So. Right. Because, really yeah. Cause I feel like at some point too, like even if you get, you know, a decent percentage, you know, like, and we're not talking about, you know, obviously reaching that max, like of his 90% projection or, you know, games played. It's just, you know, if, if you can get you the, 100, 110 games with, a, you know, an insane home run to game played ratio. And then in that 
used to just get replacement level guy after that and, you know, stream to replace his power, it's not horrible, you know. Uh, but again, it can't be he misses 130 games. If he misses 40, 50, I think there's still um, value in that, you know, it in that grab, you know, but obviously. Yeah, yeah. All right, what about Ketel Marte? So he's at 76.8 right now. He's going as high as 65 and as low as 97. His contest look, still looks pretty decent. His power metrics took a little dip. It seems like he was a little passive and he was a little um, um, reachy. He was definitely high in his reach rate. What, what, what are you guys taking away from him? How do you feel about him? I mean, I, I, I think that it's, it's a little tough because you're coming off of a breakout year followed by what you would consider a down year. But, I mean, at, at the same time, like he, he said that he was getting pitched differently. And so that's obviously something that can hit a, a hitter early on before they're able to adjust into it, where they just get caught off guard and they have to figure out what to do. I mean, he had the, the wrist issue in September. Like his, his barrels are way down. But at the same time, if, if you believe in the ability and if you believe in his ability to adjust, I mean, second base is a wasteland. And it's just, it's just, it's just something where I, I can see taking that risk because he's shown that he's at least a, a solid average hitter. But to, to not have the power bounce back is what would be a little tough to swallow. I guess it just depends on – I, I'd, I'd want to do a lot more. I was actually hoping to get more of a discount than this on him, but I'd have to do a lot more reading um, to see where he feels he's at in the off season before taking the plunge. But I mean, we loved him this year going in. It's just, it's just to, to see his, his power evaporate like that's a little concerning. Yeah. A little, little, yeah, it's been a recurring theme. I'm a little shocked at where he's going just, just based on how bad last year was. Um, Last year, year. this year, year. (laughs) oh god. Well, I mean, he's you know strikeout rates way down. Still, he's he's a good hitter. Um, Walk rate though, walk rate plummeted last year. Yep. As Tony mentioned, barrel rate was was almost non-existent this year. This year, uh, um. But yeah, I, end of the fifth, early sixth. Uh, I know second base is bad, yeah. but he's a guy that we know probably isn't going to run that much. It's tough. I, I I don't know if I would bet on the come for for Cattell, even though I I like him in general. I just I don't know if I'd feel confident enough to take him there. Bet on the, I'm sorry, say that again. Bet on the what? Yeah, I, I, I was hoping no one else was going to say anything, but okay. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a turn of phrase, but sorry. You had to take it that way. Fine. Please, can you please repeat? <laughs> Bet on the comeback. Comeback. <laughs> oh, that's not what you said the first time, but okay. Yeah. Um, Third percentile. Why, why do I bother with you guys? Third percentile and – uh walk rate and um 13 percentile on ex- expected iso like it's really again i love love the contact profile but um you know what are we getting are we getting gonna get 18 homers you know i, I you know that definitely uh just i still like him but very wary of certain things 
I, I don't know. Like the, the low barrel percentage is, is worrying, but the hard contact, the, the hard hit rate was up. Uh, I mean, it's, the hard hit rate and the max uh, exit, max exit below were basically the same as 2019. Yeah. So like, I, I, I still think the power is there. I, I think it might be just a product of the short season. So yeah, um, he, uh, he had um his exit velocity on fly balls on line drive was like 2% lead average and his, his, his 90.5 um, exit velo on ground balls was, was pretty much in the, well, uh, and the top of the league. So he was, doesn't really tell us much. The, like, yeah, like his max. Then he was he was definitely not getting the oomph on his. Yeah, it could it, it could have just been a, a launch angle anomaly for this year. I mean, it's possible. Ooh, well, the his, old his launch la- angle anomaly. <laughs> yeah. So his launch angle in in 2019 was 11.6, and then went down to 10. But his max exit velo was 116.3 in 2019, and went down to 10. Or I'm sorry, 115.9. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, like, so hard hit and exit and max exit velo were both about the same as 2019. So I don't know. For me, I think if you believe in the skills change to 2019, I think there's still something to believe in there. And I think right. late fifth, early sixth is not bad. Um, you know, one steal, but he only had 10 in 2019. Like, I don't think you're getting a ton of steals from him. Yeah. I think I think ten is probably about as many as you're gonna get. I don't think it's gonna be many more than I don't think it's gonna be more much more than ten. Um, but I think it's gonna be you know at least five. I think it's gonna be five to ten, and, and maybe you hope for more. And he's gonna. I mean, obviously, we know he's gonna give you a good average too at a weak position. Uh, yeah, I'm still gonna. I'm you know I believed in him last year last couple of years and I believe them this year are probably still going to trust that profile going forward. I'll, you know, like rather him, um, rather take the gamble on a, a, a guy who could still put some good bat in the ball. And, you know, if, if it doesn't give me as much power as I'm expecting or as, as I want, then, you know, you can adjust to that. Like we've been discussing with contact and speed profiles. All right, so who we got next here? Yon, um, Moncada, same range, 76.9. Highs 56 and as low as 103. Um, he's mentioned that the COVID really affected him. It, you could see it across the board. Um, is this a guy that you're you're going to pounce on? People may be taking too much stock into that and, you know, and and looking for that value for his return. I'll be back. I, I'll be back in. I, yeah. I, I do think it was, I do think there was a lot of COVID um, residual there. I mean, his, his exit velo was way down. Uh, strikeout rate was up. Hard hit rate was way down. I, 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 I don't see any reason to expect that this was a long-term thing. It, it, it had to have been, we, we know that this guy's got legitimate power. He's a, he's a good hitter. He's got some speed. I, end of the fifth, early sixth, that's, that's a fine place to take a third baseman that can run and can, can knock some out of the yard. I'm, I would, I would be fine taking him. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I think he's too talented and him, him falling off the face of the earth, like he did this season. I I think it can be pretty easily attributed to COVID. And honestly, uh, at this ADP, I, I think that that's how the drafters are viewing him because that's not, as much of a discount as you would otherwise expect for a guy who had a year like he did. Mm. Um, 
it's I, I just I just believe in the talent and I don't I don't think the I, I think there's there's an, an easy explanation for it to the point where I'm willing to, to buy in on it just because that to get that that power speed combo um, this late. I mean I know he's he is a bit of a, a batting average risk depending on um, what happens with him, but I'm I, I'm still in on him. I'm I'm not I'm not avoiding him. Yeah. Pretty much in the consensus, uh, I feel the same way. Definitely gonna pounce on him at that, at that level, especially in that lineup. Um, JD Martinez, um, from second rounder, perennial second rounder, first like first second rounder, seventy six point nine. What's your thoughts on him? Is it video? Is it? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been, I know, I get it. You know, some people are struggling with, uh, you know, not having their routine, um, but it's not like his. His hard hit and his exit below and his barrel weren't trending downward anyway. They kind of were. Um, it just seemed like it went, you know, like steeper than we kind of expected. But it's 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 been it's you know it's or, or, or maybe he just set such a hard bar you know a, a high bar for himself um, with some phenomenal like metrics. But you know he's uh, he's been trending downward from what I've seen. But um, this is this is this too far for JD? 80th? I mean, I, I'm looking at his savant page right now. I, I my initial reaction was he's getting old. It's probably not worth it because there probably is something to it. And I mean, you see so much red in prior years. And this last year, you know, the barrel rate was good still, but yeah, as you said, Rob, exit velo's trending down. Um, hard hits trending down, K rates going up, walk rates still pretty, pretty much the same, but you know, all the expected stats were way down last year. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't recall what, did he have something that affected him last year? I, I didn't own him. So I may have been forgetting something this year. Sorry, this year. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember an injury, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, I think he was just putting a lot of the emphasis on, you know, his, his, his lack of in-game video, um, yeah. you know, well, I, I mean, assistant. dude's, dude's but, 33, going to be 34. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he is a guy who studies what he, he, he studies the swing. I, I get that. I don't think you can put it all on the video, but at the same time, when, when you see a lot of players come out and say the same thing about the video and see, see that they're all struggling, I, I think there's definitely something to it. It's just the, the, the problem is if he's in a downtrend already. And um, I honestly don't know, like, is, is video even coming back next year? I, I know the, the I have no idea. I, we don't know shit about next year. Huh? <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. Is, <laughs> if video doesn't come back, it's not going to fix this problem. If that was the problem. I, I don't know. There's, there, there's a lot of risk there. Um, it's 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 really hard to say. I, I get that that he was the model of consistency beforehand, but I, I do think there's there's a lot of risk even at that diminished of an ADP. Does okay? Does he does he have a position? Is he is he outfield eligible? Oh, I'd have to look at I'll look at Fangraphs. You keep talking. I mean, that's my thing. Like, I feel like was was he not just DH eligible this year? 
Almost there. Almost there. Yeah, he really fell off. Talk amongst yourselves. He's swinging misses on like off speed. You know, it was like really something. Uh, yeah, he, he played was... three games in the outfield. So, yeah, he's util only. Yeah. So, he's, he's utility only. And I'm. I lied. Seven games. I lied. So, I mean, is that enough? I think, I think NFBC, it's going to probably be what is 10. It, is it going to be 10, though? Okay. I, I don't know because it was four this year to earn it in season, and usually it's half. So, maybe it'll be eight for next year. Okay. I mean, but even if it's eight, seven is less than eight. So, so let's assume he's DH only. If he's DH only, I'm off. Like, I, yeah. I do not take utility only guys that early. Like, even even Nelson Cruz, I don't want to be part of. It's just it hamstrings my flexibility. What, Tony? There's going to be a lot of those guys this year. If you look at projected eligibility, there's going to be a lot of good utility only hitters. That's the thing, but the, but that just but you can only play one of them and it screws Stanton. you the other way. That's just at the outfield this year. That just let, makes him less valuable then. You know, Kevin Biggio, sorry, but Kevin Biggio um, hit third base also, second, third, and outfield. Yeah, he was playing third base at the second, end of the third, and outfield. That's pretty. That's that's uh, just something I saw. Um, I think Baseball Pods tweeted out um, snapshot of some guys who gained some eligibility and. Um, I was actually met, I actually recognized that when I was filling out my postseason NFBC team, and I realized he was, you know, second, third, and alpha. That's why I threw him in there. So, because it's a multiplier thing. So, I figured if, if they advanced, it could just, you know, I could put him in other positions. Yeah. But anyway, didn't realize he was, uh, so yeah. So, uh, yeah, JD, util only. Yeah, if he's if he's util only, I, I'm pretty much out. And okay. I mean his his hard hit rate, his exit velo, and his max exit velo are all on you know three year downward trends. So, um, and like Jake said, he's he's getting up there in age. He's uh, 33 now, I think. Um, I I just and that and that lineup is not good anymore without bets there. Um, it's not a great lineup. They they have some playmakers there, but. Overall, I'm just—it's not a player I want to invest in. What about um, Mr. Steady Eddie Veteran? Um, right, going right after him in ADP, Charlie Blackman. Steady profile, guy doesn't hurt you. And obviously, you know he always didn't steal as much as he used to, but um, still really hasn't, you know, lost too many. That much skill. Um, how do you guys feel about him next year? What's his ADP? He's right behind JD Martinez at eighty-one-one, as low as uh, as high as sixty-four and low as ninety-four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's interesting to some degree. Um, the problem is, like, well, I mean, the 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 problems. He doesn't steal anymore, and then mm-hmm. the power took a hit last year, and when uh, when you're drafting a guy in the top one hundred you can't just be an average guy. So it really just comes down to like, he's another COVID guy. Do you think right. that, that COVID sapped his power and that he'll be back next year? Cause if he is, then you're talking about uh, an 80 something ADP for a guy who can hit 300, who can potentially hit 30 bombs, who is in a lineup that'll score a lot of runs at home. I mean, I, I think that's interesting, but it's it's something where you are taking risk because if like he's he's not a young guy he's he's over thirty and so is it something where his power's in a downtrend or is it just something where COVID took the year out of him he'll be back next year? 
And I honestly, he'll be, he'll be, you know, halfway to 35 when next year starts. That's, that's not nothing. Um, but yeah, like you said, another COVID guy, I mean, he had it early on. So if we're going to give Moncada a pass, we kind of have to factor that in for him too. He went up uh, at 400 at one point though. I'm sorry to interrupt, but like he, right, it was right. That was this year, right? When he was floating. With yeah, the early on, early on. Early on, on right? So, blazing, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, we don't know how it would affect these guys. Right, right. But it could have been like in the stamina, you know, department. Like we don't know what these guys went through, but but uh yeah, Jake died. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, him. that's yeah. fine. No, that's he, all good. Yeah, he, he, uh, surprisingly his splits were pretty even. Uh right. you know, home and away average is pretty much equal. Runs he, I mean he's he's gonna hit at the top of that lineup. That's I mean, mid sixth round isn't a bad place for a guy like that. Yeah, he's not gonna run. But I mean, he's he's a pretty much guaranteed producer in a couple categories for sure. But again, outfield, I don't I don't like taking. I, I think all of us are in the same camp on that one. We we don't like taking a lot of outfielders early, especially ones that don't run. Yeah. So if we are going to take him, we got to have a good steals base, and we probably maybe only, at the most we have one other outfielder, if if any. So it has to be a right situation for a guy like him, even though the price is pretty solid for what he's going to give. I him. think, yeah, it looks pretty solid to me. I mean, like I said, no, his deal profile isn't like tremendous, but you know, in, you know, when you kind of, you know, in the range of what you can expect, it's like reasonable to say, you know, you know, Tommy Pham going around the same, you know, area, like we all probably think, you know, Tommy Pham would get some more steals, but in, in, it is possible, right? It's not with, with, you know, not within the range of possibilities of happening that black men could be only two or three behind them, right? You know, yeah. and yeah. maybe with a better, you know, hit tool. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, black men would be better in pretty much every other category. So. Yeah. Mr. Javi Baez, right behind Blackman, um, 81.2 average. He got only as high as 50 and as low as 114. You know, a uh, guy been go- went in, what, second, third, fourth round in the main. Um, seemed like he was a little pull-heavy this year um, with an increased lawn gangle. K percentage was a little up. Um, contact metric down. But his exit velocity and fly balls and lawn drive was still pretty healthy. I think this is really deep. Um for him, especially the 81 average. Uh, I'm all over this. What, what say you guys about that? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a, a free swinging guy. So there's always the risk that, that something like this happens. Um, he's another guy who's been complaining about the, the lack of video. Right. Um, but to your point, I think that, that his launch angle might be messed up just because, um, he hit a ton of infield flies and his Babbitt was just in the toilet because he kept popping stuff up. And so it makes me wonder if he tried to make some kind of adjustment and it went wrong and there just wasn't enough time in the season to get himself right. But I mean, when you look at what he's capable of doing at this low of an ADP, I think, I think I'd, I'd be in on, on a gamble there um, to see if he can turn it around just because he's shown that, that when he's able to, to, Get himself right he's capable of a lot and i think it at that low of a price it's it's worth a shot because i mean he still did hit for solid power threw in some steals it's just his mm-hmm. batting effort horrendous i i totally agree i mean i i feel like 
you know, if you looked at like a rolling graph of, you know, I haven't pulled it up, but of his career, you know, you could take this 200 at bat sample and, you know, over a full season, you know, his whatever his free swing and, you know, swing profile, he, he gets, he gets hot. And um, I, I think over a full season that that would have, you know, most likely happened just because he's, he's proven it, you know, he's been doing it. Um, Pretty consistent, pretty consistent performer. I, I'm I'm all over that at at that spot. You know, if he's coming like that, that price anywhere soon in drafts, I'm all over it. Yeah, I mean, a big thing is whether they're gonna let people use the in-game video again. If it if it is, I don't think it's an issue. Um, you look at his BABIPs, and it like from 2016 on, 336, 3, 345, 347, 345. So you can tell he's in that 335 to 345 area. And then this year is all the way down to 262. So, you know, I definitely think there's some correction coming. So um, I I think you're probably going to be able to get him at a discount. And I would, I would probably be, he's never a guy that I've, he's not the typical profile of the guy I target, but based on the fact that you can get him at a discount because of that, I'd be probably buying him. Yeah. It's a, it's a deep position. And I, I usually like to get some speed from it and I'm, I'm a little wary that he's going to steal more than 10 bags, but if I can get over that, yeah, he's, he's a good gamble for where he's You mean that he's not going to steal over 10 bags? Right. I I don't see him stealing more than 10. Yeah. But that is a little tough to swallow, but yeah, like I, he's, he's certainly capable of a lot better than he did last year. And like Dave said, the Babips are, he's, he's proven where he is. So something was off last year. And you could, you could likely, you could say it's likely going to correct itself. I would say so. Right. And, you know, I got to think too, like, um, just, you know, I know he was, was voicing his concern about the videos, but, um, you know, he also mentioned too that he wasn't really into videos until recently. And he showed before, like, if that's the case, he's shown that he doesn't need the video to even that out. So, you know, yeah, I like that price, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I was messing around the other day on the StatCast uh, bas- baseball spot, and, you know, if you know if guys seen that year-to-year feature that they have, have you guys seen that part of the league? I'm, I'm not as well-versed on Savant as I should be. So I, if you, I need to spend you, more time on it. If you're on Havant and you go to leaderboards, um, there is a thing that says year-to-year changes – um, and it's a tab and you just hit it and you can toggle between a million stats and from, you know, from 2015 on and it shows, uh, you know, a five-year history, just quickly see, you know, um, gainers, losers in specific categories, you know, it's uh, without, it's it, it, it pretty neat. It's pretty little neat leaderboard that they added. Like I stumbled upon this. There's so much stuff on it. I'm so far from being, you know, a fan graphs or savant like expert, but I was just like, you know, checking it out and I'm like, oh, this is a pretty decent tab, you know, and I don't know if you guys checked that out at all, but. Uh, no, I didn't know about it until you pointed it out and I'm seeing it now. I was struggling to find it. They, they don't make it kind of stand out. It's just kind of at the bottom of. Right. The hitting list and the pitching list. It's the last entry on both. I, I didn't know it was there. I'll be honest. Right. And um, like I said, yeah, you could pull up um, 
tons of different, uh, you know, pitches, fastball, velocity. Um, like I was looking at the batters, like, you know, percentage of swinging and missing in the zone. And, um, but I landed on barrels, you know, um, barrel percentages uh, for this year and uh, some of the biggest gainers of the year. Um, I noted uh, Jesse Winker, um, Reese Hoskins, and Jaime Candelario. And um, I want to know if you guys pay attention to them at all this year and what they were um, doing in this short season. And if anything popped out at you by any of those guys. Jesse Winker improved his barrel by almost 10%, 9.2%. More than, you know, Seager, Tatis, Teoscar, they all grew. Um, they all took a step up. He was the biggest. Um, what did you guys see from Winker this year? Is he legit? Are, are they going to continue to play him against lefties? Yeah, I mean, you know, they did sign 18 guys to be DH and outfielders. I mean, it's almost like they knew they might have added the DH ahead of time. They I mean, we, we, we believed score. he was a good hitter. I, I was into drafting him in 2019. I didn't have any shares of him this year just because of how much of a glut they had in that outfield. Um, but, you know, I, I believe he's a good hitter. I'm just concerned he's going to get full-time A.B. still. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Winger fan. Um, like, his K percentage was way up this year, but his walk rate was also up, way up. And uh, – his his homeworks were up. Um, the stat cast stats were up. Barrel percentage, hard hit rate, all good. Maxi max exit velo. Um, yeah, I mean, if if they give us the okay that he's definitely gonna get the everyday. <laughs> they give us the okay. I'm sorry, I like the way you put that. If they give us the okay to draft them, right? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> really what it is though right like like guys talented enough it's just a matter of whether they're gonna let them do it yep. so yeah i i like winker yeah i'm definitely intriguing like you said you know if he, if if he's gonna uh continue to get abs he he looks like you know he definitely um sold out a little bit of his contact profile for the power, but, you know, he pulled the ball more, you know, but I'll take it, you know, I'll, I'll take that if it, that, if that means he's getting in more and, um, you know, he's doing more with his, his at-bats. What about um, Reese Hoskins? Did, um, what do you guys feel about him? I know we had a, re- a quick tweet discussion about him. Dave, you didn't really know. He kind of got, got that hot at that one period of time. He was, he was so helpful for me in that, you know, in that DC before he got hurt. Yeah, um, Reese Hoskins is definitely a guy that that we weren't uh, really on this year, but um, I, I mean, it's he's he's just kind of the profile that we don't really target. Like he's he's got a good power. I mean, he had ten home runs, um, but a two forty five average, and like he's never in the majors hit. You know, like last two years before were two forty six, two two twenty six. He's just not a good average guy. So you're, you're, it's my question is like, what, what can I get from Reese Hoskins that I can't get from like CJ Crone, like several rounds later? So 
I just I just don't see a reason to take a guy like Blake Hoskins. And he's he's never I mean, there is pretty much no hope of him ever giving you a good average. I mean, you look at his launch I mean his launch angles are pretty consistent in the majors. Uh 2017, 18.4, 22.6, 23.9, 24.8. I mean, he he pretty much is what he is in that regard. You you can't expect to get with a reasonable hope of more than 250 from him and and from a first baseman who doesn't steal um you know three cat guys we're generally not going to be taking as early as he's going to go right right yeah i mean he's i i think the at best what you can read into this is that he's potentially becoming a better version of himself but right I don't. I don't think that. I mean, aside from hitting more homers, to to Jake's point, like he's never going to hit for average, and it just it just depends on if. I mean, if that's a profile you like, and if that's how you build your team, then he could be a guy who's intriguing to you. I mean, if if he can hit, everyone's been talking about him hitting forty plus homers for a long time. So if he's able to do that, then and that fits into what you're doing, that's great. But um, it's just it's just tough to stomach knowing that you're never going to get a good average from him just because that's not the kind of hitter he is. But I mean, if, if power is what you need and the price is right, then sure. But that's not really what we're looking at at, at the point where he usually goes. All right. Yeah. I feel the same way, but he just, uh, you know, I never really target, target him. He's just a guy like where if it's a specific point in the draft, uh, you know, I just take a shot at um, just, like you know, like you said, in case he hits that, that ceiling, it's it, the floor isn't horrible. Um, I think there's a lot worse you could do, but we'll see how he comes off that injury. You know, gonna the old the old Tommy John to the non-throwing, but I'm sure it's still gonna affect his life. I mean, my my UCL was torn, and I have trouble doing this with the garbage. You know, with the plastic garbage pal. You know, when I do that, it, it it's it's um I feel it. So I can't imagine. You know how it feels like to get it repaired and try to throw or swing, you know, as hard as they do. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we've come to the point of the podcast where we're going to do a speculative draft for 2021. This is massively exciting. The guys we're going to pick have probably zero power skills. Now there's some nuggets in there, but is it a little, a little practice I like to do from year to year to just, take like um, a group of guys um, just to try to see if I can point out anything in their, you know, skill set that you know, I do it for stolen bases for power, but I'll, I'll look at, you know, in that bat threshold and, you know, guys who have been below a certain amount of homers or stolen bases and see if I can, you know, find, and again, this is, I usually try to not do it with like, you know, the guys that are going in the top a hundred or, you know, 200 just to, um, really try to, you know, deep dive and, you know, maybe get some extra homers and stolen bases. So the threshold for this year was um, that to have Three. over 100 plate appearances and less than or equal to three home runs. So that's our player pool for that we're picking from. I think it's 84 players that were in that pool. Um, we're going to do a four-round draft. I'll track it at the end of next year. The winner will get something. Oh God! <laughs> I don't know yet, but they're gonna get well, something. You two assholes get to draft before me, so I don't know what you're all gadding about. 
Yeah, maybe we don't know what we're doing and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's probably right on 50%. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're going to do a four-round draft and Tony is having the first pick. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Draft. All right. Um, I will take Glaber Torres. Nice. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's I, – I get the, that he was a regression candidate going into this year, um, but he was massively banged up the entire year. He got hit in the elbow early. He had, like, a hammy injury, a quad injury. So, like, yeah, you saw his power drop off and his, his barrels were, were down pretty hard. But, I mean, he's, he's shown 30-plus homer power in multiple seasons and – I don't, I don't see why. I mean, he's, he's already showing power again in the, in the postseason, so I don't see why he can't bounce back and at least hit 30. Rob, this is, this is overall value, not just power, right? We're just doing home runs. Oh, we're just doing, we're yeah. just doing home runs. This is just for home runs. This is the home yeah. run derby draft. So, yeah, we're just speculating on home runs for 2021. Yeah, that was kind of a gimme. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, Glamour Torres is on there with a bunch of shit rigs. Like, okay. Yeah, there's, there's some dudes on there. <laughs> there's Listen, there are some so, dudes on there. This is, this is how many dudes there. have hit, like, 38 homers in the majors before? Be Torres is not – listen, there's not a lock for, you know, hitting 35. He, he's the best out of the bunch, maybe. But, hey, listen, use your drafting skills, and uh, I know you can make it happen. Uh, Jake goes. Jake got picked um, number two. Um, and I'm updating the Google Sheet as we as we do this in case anyone all right. wants to follow along. On I'm this. I'm between two guys. Uh, just, let me think here. Uh, it's great, great podcasting, great radio. I know you're about to fuck me here. I am. This is what uh, it's all about. We want to hear. I, what I don't want to say we more. Wanna, we want to hear what your brain is going through. But yeah, loud, well, it's you know, a, one of them is a guy that we've talked about already. It'll probably stand out. But I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with Paul DeYoung, um, a guy that's done it before. Another guy that's done it before. Exit Velo still solid. You know, launch angle is is one of a power hitter. So I he's got he's got thirty bombs in him. That's that's where I'm gonna go with my second pick. Or with my first pick, I guess. All right, so we got Davis up with um, yeah. Glaber and DeYoung off the board. Yeah, with the two fucking obvious picks off the board. Davis yeah. up. Okay. <laughs> You've got uh, Davis. Now he's got a thing. God. I mean, I... I'm going to have to go with Sol Nick Solak. Um, nice. I like that pick. There you go. All right. There we go. See, this I is mean, fun. He didn't hit many home runs this year, but this is a guy who has had a ton of power in the minors. And I don't – honestly, I haven't really looked into it much yet, but I don't know why he hasn't hit many home runs yet But in this year. But he hit uh, 32 homers in 2019. So he only hit two homers this year. He ran a lot more. I mean, he, he has the stolen base – it's part of a skill set, but I think he's got a lot more power in that skill set. So I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with Solak. I'll be honest. I thought that was gonna be my second round pick there. So oh, you can go fuck yourself. How about that? All right, and I, and I will. <laughs> oh man. All right. So um, <laughs> back to back. Yeah. Seriously, you guys. Uh, 
So we got Torres, DeYoung, and Solak. First three guys off the board. Um, going back to back here, and I'm going to go with a guy we were talking about, Catel Marte. Yeah. Yeah, that was the other guy I was thinking about. I'm going to throw him on there strictly for his, you know, probably volume and, and, and contact, and hopefully he'll send a couple out. And with my second pick, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Scott Kingery. All right. Yeah, you know what? He, and, and he had a sneaky last, like, 40, 50 at-bats. Um, he was really battling up. It's like the COVID and, you know, um, slowed him down at first. And the guy just always liked his profile. And if I can get, like, an 18-20 homer from him, I like that at the spot right here. So, so that's bad. my picks. Cattell so Marte and Kangaroo. I like it. Dave, uh, back to you. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dylan Carlson for my second-round pick. Great um, pick. Love it. He, he had uh, 26 homers in the minors in 2019, only three this year, but he struggled early on, and then he really came on strong at the end, uh, especially in power. I know he only ended up with three homers, but uh, I, I really like him for next year. Love it. Hmm. Jake. I'll let you take your Avi Garcia now. Oh, no, no. Why did you say that? Because <laughs> nah. I know you're a bitch ass. I'm not going to go there. Carlson's good. That was that was definitely in consideration. Um, hmm. Let's see. I'm just making sure here. You make sure. Listen, this, 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 I, it's, it's going to be a while before he comes back, so – I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Homer pick and go with Josh Naylor. Ooh. Um I don't he was, know. I, he was I crushing the ball late in the year. I, I feel like I feel like he's a guy. I mean our outfield our outfield, the, the Indians outfield is so horrendous uh, in terms of play, consistent players, players that, that aren't platoon guys, and I just I feel like he's a guy that's gonna get pretty fairly regular ABs next year and he's got 25 to 30 homer potential for sure I like it very well good pick Tony back to back what do you got um Buxton's not on the board he's gonna no he hit too many homers this year 13 yeah. right yeah he's, he's, he's gonna need a minute 45 45 He's gonna need a minute. He was looking for him. He didn't find him. See, where's Bucks on this list? I I wonder if Bucks and dude, if Bucks was on this list, I'd have taken him already. Yeah, <laughs> he would have traded up for the pick if he didn't have him. <laughs> exactly. Buxton's a stud. Stud. Um, I think both like to play defense. All right, so I will go with. Willie Calhoun to start. Nice. That's a great pick. Um, I mean, he pretty much had another lost season. Surprise, surprise. He's probably going to get hurt again, and I'm going to get nothing yeah, out of dude. it. Yeah, um, dude. Uh, fastballs to the jaw. That'll, that'll do it to you. Yeah, it's like get, getting hit in the face with a fastball, and then he had a hamstring injury. Like, he's he said he had a tough mental season, so, you know, the injuries are just taking a toll on him. So, I mean, he, he could end up just having another lousy year again next year, but he's got – He's got twenty-five plus home run pop if he actually can get a full season in. So yeah, I mean he had twenty-one in 
337 plate appearances in 2019, 83 games. So, you know, that profile is there. I, that That's a great pick. I was, I was definitely considering him with my back-to-back. I like that. That's a good one. And then, um, I think I'm going to do Joe Adele. Nice. Scotty. There it is. I like that. Joe Glaber, Cal, Calhoun, and Adele. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to start. He, he gets full time at bats. And it, it just, I, I know he, he struggled, but a, a lot of times guys will struggle in their, their, first real stint and then they'll start to figure things out they'll make adjustments so uh, i'm hopeful that the the power will show a little more once he actually gets a real season in which hopefully he does like it mr jake mr jake yeah i thought i knew where i was going and then i decided that's not where i wanted to go uh what was that uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. Oh, you're not gonna say. No. <sighs> no, I, I can't take Avi Garcia, Dave. I mean, it, he just. No. It was, too poor, it was too poor of a year. Okay. Too too many things that are pointing <laughs> in the other direction, power wise. I mean, he said he said he was having issues coming into the year. It, it could have just been a temporary thing. Uh, I know this is kind of a weird pick. I'm uh. And, and and this is this is not a launch angle guy either. It's a guy that's got a pretty terrible launch angle, but um, I just uh, I don't know I, where you're going. I, I like I, I like I like Jorge Alfaro's oh, potential. That's not where you thought I was going. That is not where I thought you were going. No, not even the um, conversation of where I thought you were going. Just. It is a reasonable expectation for, you know, 16, 18, 20, almost 18. Yeah, I, 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 see, I see a guy that's going to play a lot. Uh, he's, the, the Marlins lineup is, is solid, but he's going to hit towards the middle of it. He'll, he'll have more ABs. Um, and I, I, I think that's where I want to go. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's not a guy that I'm super interested in because I don't know his playing time is, is but – I mean, this guy's hit 47 homers before. He's uh, in 2019, 25. Only three this year. Again, playing time is the only concern, but Eric Thames would be my pick here. That was the other one I was thinking about. Juicy. I just don't know what his playing time is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely was thinking about him, but – to, to your point, I mean, a he doesn't play versus lefties, but if he even if he plays versus righties all the time, he'll hit over twenty. Right, exactly. I mean, is he even going to be back in Washington though? Like that's the other thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing either. Right. Oh, all right. So what I got? I got a little back to back right here. Yeah. yeah. It's all you. Yeah. Um, don't fuck it up. Oh, I feel like I might fuck it up. I'm going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. I think I'm going to go lean Yandy Diaz. Okay. Mm-hmm. As, one, as, as one of my picks. I know he pounds the ball into the ground, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think. I'm just trying to, like, I'm not looking for, like, a huge surge. I'm just, you know, maybe I mean, a couple guys to- that. 
he had some ridiculously low fly ball rate this year. He has to adjust that. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And I'm hoping he stays at that, you know, top half of the the lineup and even in a platoon, you know, situation, get enough at bat. Um and then with my second pick, is this might seem off the rail kind of pick, but I'm going with the volume look and with the possibility of Oh, wait a minute. Ah, I could be wrong. Uh-oh. Oh, oh man, it's a toss-up. You know what? I'm going to reverse my decision in, in my brain, and I'm going to go with um, – actually, no, I'm going to keep it. Victor Robles. That's who oh. I'm taking. That's who I'm taking. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm trying to go volume in with the hopes he can just at least get, you know, 12, 15. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. He's on the list. He was on my list. Yeah. So. I thought about him a round and two rounds ago. It's just so much blue. I mean, he's like <laughs> dark blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but he's, he's hit homers before. So is this the last round? Is yeah. it the last round? Yes. Okay. I need, to, I need to know because I don't want to say out loud what I'm thinking if it's not the last round. So, um, I'm between Josh Fuentes, Abisayil, and Jonathan VR. And I mean, VR hit 24 in 2019, but that was in, that was at Oriole Park. Now that he's not there, I mean, he's at, he's in Toronto now, right? Yeah, I, is he a free agent or is is he there for another year? Question. I don't know. I he, might, he might be a free agent, actually. Now that you say that, um, I think I'm just going to go with Abisayel Garcia because he's a guy who he hit 19 homers in under 400 ABs uh, in 2018. 2019, he had 20 homers. This year, he was admittedly off, um, only had two homers. But I think um, I think. If he's ready to go for next year, I think he could uh, be in for a 2025 20, homer season. So I'm going to go with Avi. Avi. You guys watch uh, Ray Donovan at all? I do not. No. Mm. Okay. All right. Skip that. Jake, I'm your like, shot. Avi, Avi was so uh, – he was one of my boys this year. And, he was man. your boy? He was one, one of, of his them. boys. One of them. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm, it's between two for me. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go. I right, this is another another one that's probably a little off the wall. Uh, weird to to take two catchers in a draft like this. Oh, he's doing, I, I guess, oh I know he's it. Not, he's yeah. not a catcher anymore, though. I mean, he's oh. an outfielder now. But I'm gonna go with Dalton Varsho as my nice. last. This one. Uh, a guy that was he's young, obviously not a lot of time in the minors, but trending up power wise. Uh, 2019, I think he had 18 homers in the minors. Uh, didn't hit for a lot of average this year, but I, I really feel like he's going to become a fixture in that really bad lineup next year and get a lot of ABs. So I, I, I like him to have 20-plus power. Interesting. I, uh, I like that pick. I think he's going to think, think get the playing time, and I think he's going to – I think it's going to give you a decent amount of power there. Tony with the last pick to cap off the 2021 speculative home run draft derby. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think I will go with another injury guy, uh, Tommy Pham. He uh, nice. But um, aside from this year, past three years, he's hit 20 homers, and he's done it on the the limited at bats he gets. I I forget what he hits usually, something like 500 at bats, 550. Um, so if he actually has a full season, I think he hits 20 homers easily. Not that that's going to happen, but even if he ends up missing some time, I think he can still hit 20 with with reasonable um, difficult or reasonably low difficulty. So just have to hope he stays healthy. I think yeah, that was that was my toss up. I was all bubbles of him. Oh, I like it. Yep, same kind of. Okay. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was different. That's not that something was, I've really done. So yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, you know what? Like I said, it's a little practice I like to do. Um, my previous podcast with my brother, we did a little thing like that, and I the one I did with the Upper Decker boys, we did the same thing, um, and it was interesting. Like the guys we picked for this year at home runs, you know, like getting a couple from you know, um, I know I forgot what the threshold that we used last year. I think it was under 15 homers, and like uh, I think Duvall was one. Uh, I know Pollock was one of the picks that was just huge. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting. It's just like a little practice, you know, and it's a little fun, you know, not just like full um, full draft for everything, but just speculating on one skill, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. In, it's interesting to look at this list and see like Glaber Torres and and Paul DeYoung on there, like a guy that hit 30, a guy that hit 38. Like it's. It is kind of shocking to see, and they yeah. played all those. Season. Those two were kind of shitty to be on there. I was like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they were my two, so I was I was glad to have the first pick. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think we got some questions from Twitter uh, that we're gonna uh, read off. We'll cap off this. We'll bang out some questions real quick. Um, let's see, what do we got here? So from. Phil Dusso at Phil Dusso twenty seven. Um, Who's that guy? Yeah, he's, he's I've never heard of him. Uh, yeah, he's a successful <laughs> NFBC uh, player. Good guy. Moderately successful. Yeah, moderately yeah. successful. He <laughs> wants to know who are the starters I should cross off my draft list for next year for health reasons, even if system loves them. <laughs> <laughs> Even if system loves them, well, it's not going to matter because if system loves them, he's still going to yeah. take them. So, base system. I mean, Verlander, Strasburg. Well, he's, he's had, he had TJ though, yeah. so he's done anyway. Okay, all right. So Strasburg would be one. Um, I would say Morton probably. Um, I, for me, Scherzer. I don't. Scherzer and Darvish aren't off the list, but they're going to be lower for me. Um, Snell, I'm I'm not going to draft him. Um, you guys got anything? Yeah, you hit a lot of the early ones, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, later you can take shots, whatever. Right. But, but I, I still, I still won't draft McCullers just, just because I've been trained that way, and I, I don't believe that he's going to make it through a, a thirty-five start season. I mean, by that same token, probably like Lazardo and Burns because they haven't pitched right. more than yeah. sixty innings. The There's no years. way they're going more than one hundred twenty. Yeah, like, like I mean, one hundred and fifty is the high end. And I think that that might be unlikely as it is. Um, Tony, you got anything? I mean, Urias is another guy I'm not going to be on. Yeah, I mean, you you hit on the big ones. It's 
for, for me, it's really anyone who's starting to, to cross over the age threshold that I feel comfortable, which is usually like around 35. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm concerned with the guys who have never thrown a full season before going into next year, just because like, yeah, this, this season put them on equal playing field to the point where they were, they were valuable because um, they were able to be used like that. But it's going to be hard to gauge where um, those guys land in terms of innings. And I just don't want to take risks um, to, to only have a guy throw 120 innings that I was expecting to throw 160, 180. Um, yeah. Also, like, Seamart, uh, Paxton, I'm not going to be on those guys. Paxton, Paxton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. risk. Seamart, I, I don't trust him at all either. If he closes, I'd be interested. <laughs> Start, starting, if they're starting. <laughs> okay, so Phil also asked, um, if you were drafting right now, who are your top five closers for next season? Oh, that's a good question. I, I was actually, if no one was going to ask this, I, I was definitely going to throw this out because, you know, I, um, I think as you guys noted in, uh, in your pod, you know, um, column with some free agency, not saying he's, you know, definitely a top five guy or in that range, but, you know, guys are moving around next year. So, you know, I kind of looked that, at that like – Hendricks, right? Well, assuming, assuming, let's just assume column A, Hendricks, they resign. Like, uh, those are like, I guess, two of the bigger free agents I saw. Um, but you know, um, who do you, who do you like? Um, I guess, you know, yeah, top five next year. Yeah. You, I mean, you have to keep Hendricks in there. Um, sure. Hater, the fact that the Brewers used Hater as a more traditional closer this year kind of cements him in there. Um, I think Chapman, uh, there. Chapman will be healthy. So, yeah, I mean, the COVID was the, was the thing that really kind of wore on him this year. I agree with all those. So we got, we got Hendricks, Hader, and Chapman. I mean, Jansen's role is, is as secure as yeah. it comes. So yeah, Jansen. Probably uh, have to put him in there. And then – After that, I'd have to go either Rysel Iglesias – that's that's where I was thinking because or or Rosenthal. It depends on where he is. Right. It's he, and, and what Yates is doing. Right. It is yeah. What was those soon as um what did he end up having? What he's having he... TJ, so he's done. Yeah. He's done. Hmm. Okay. Or he had TJ, yeah. So he's yeah. he's definitely out for next year. So Presley, I mean you could think about Presley, but No. I'm not – I mean, I don't know that the Astros think of Presley as the guy. Like, I think they could easily bring in someone else. That's they could. They very well could because that bullpen's um, pretty weak. So He's still a pretty effective reliever. Down. He didn't do anything yeah. to, like, say he can't do it, you know? Um, no, I mean, right, Reisel's definitely up there. It, it's uh, – I think it's I think it's those top six um, that we need. What named. about Enwin Diaz? You know, I know, you know, you guys talk about his, his... – the, the problem is that we don't know that the Mets buy in. Yeah. We, we buy in. Like, Edwin Diaz was legit one of the best. He'd be a top three closer if he was given yeah. the reins and let go. Like, if we knew that he wouldn't be doubted, he would be a top five closer. A top two, three closer. I mean, like, it's awesome. But the problem is, will the Mets give him that leash? I, I don't know. So I would have him outside the top six. Fair enough. I like that. Okay, so um, let's see, moving right along here, it's from uh, 
Brian Vogel, uh, Brian P. Vogel, he asked, is there any pitcher outside of the Cleveland organization that is worth a first or second round? <laughs> this motherfucker. He's always good for a troll. God <laughs> damn Vogel. So this, this is another guy outside of the first person who uh, gave a question, Phil so that I talk to you like every day. And uh, he always he always teases me that I'm like a homer. The thing is, though, Cleveland is just really good at developing starting pitchers. They have uh, that model that they develop off of, and it's like that Kluber-Bieber model, and that's exactly what they go for. And that's what Plesak and Savali are kind of following in their footsteps. So, well, well uh, listen, listen, we know about we know about Cleveland. You guys lay it out about Cleveland. The question is. Who is worth the pick outside of Cleveland? Well, what's the who question? Is, like, who's worth one, a first or second round pick that's not a Cleveland starter? Well, I mean, Cole, DeGrom. Okay. I mean, All right. DeGrom, yeah. DeGrom, DeGrom, I have some issues with in terms of being healthy. Uh, but he's still first or second. Uh, yeah. You know, 100%. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. I probably, I mean, he'll go in the first round, right? So he's going yeah, go to like go in the 12. first round. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to go in the first round, and he's. I'm not going to get any of him because I would much rather have Bieber or Cole. And if depending I, and on what's going on with Bauer, Bauer's Bauer. I was going to say Bauer could be the number one overall pick, not just number one starting pitcher pick. I think Bauer could be the number one overall pick because if he's going every every uh, four days, there's he has to be the number one pick. This was Michael Simeone at SP Streamers question, so I'll segue right into that because he said, who is Dave's Bieber for 2021, assuming it is Bauer, and why is he wrong? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, that, was, that was classic. No, yeah, uh, no, that's a big thing. And, you know, like one of um, my friend uh, New York Jim wrote in here, he said, you know, he asked me, like, what we see about Bauer if he's coming to the Yanks. Um, he's a big Yankee fan. So, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, and it's funny to see him out there, you know, letting people know that uh, they can come get him. You know, <laughs> and I think it, yeah. it's pretty goddamn cool to like say, hey, like, I mean, you know, I'm here. Like, if you guys want to pay up, I'm willing to do this. He wants to no. get paid. It's just a matter of is the team going to let him do everything that he wants to do? Right. Are they going right. to let him be his own man and, mm-hmm. and dictate his own schedule and his own regimen and everything? And I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're closer, closer to the area and closer to the news cycle than we are. Are the Yankees a team that's going to let him be who he is, or are they going to try to restrict oh, who he is? I, yeah. I mean, just from, you know, I, I don't think there's many teams that are going to be willing to let him throw every four days as often that it is for them, the team, but I don't, you know, and as much as like, we all want to see him do it, you know, I think he's, he's willing to bet on himself and show that he can do it. And I think it's ballsy to come out and do it, you know, and and say it. And, you know, it's just the team. Yeah. I don't think the Yankees are the team that would let him do it. Um, But they do have the money and that's, You know, and but you know, I don't know. My Mets uh, just got a rich owner, and I would love to see them double down on that with a return from Thor, and even bring back Strowman and roll out that type of rotation, and could go after uh, Springer or Realmuto, like bring it home, like or maybe all fucking three. You know, I know that's wishful thinking, but like you know, it's not it's not outside the possibilities if you know, some guy comes in and he just wants to make a big splash. And who knows if that's even the right combo to go after. But, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
I would love to see, you know, Bauer in New York. I think that would be amazing for his, you know, profitability level too, like going yeah, forward. That he's, he's all about his image. He's all about, you know, perpetuating his brand and, and getting himself out there. Um, I, yeah, it, it really, it, it depends on if the team is going to let him be him, I, but you know, ultimately with him, it's about money and being who he is. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if the being who he is, is a part of it. I mean, I think he's going to be who he is no matter where he goes. So I, I, I think for him, it's all about the money, but my question with the pitching every four days is, is Kyle Bodie under contract with the Reds or is he going to pick up and go wherever Bauer goes? Yeah. So I don't think he has to, I mean, I don't think Bauer doesn't have to, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if Bauer even makes it a thing that he, you know, that it's necessary. Maybe, but I mean, like that's the guy who like Bauer works with very closely. um, And like they, they monitor, like Trevor Bauer is the one guy in the league that I think can actually pull this off because he conditions his arm to, to do this. I mean, he's done the long toss for years. He monitors his arm closer than any other starting pitcher does in baseball. So um, if there's one guy that I think can pitch 300 innings in a year, it's Bauer. So right now, knowing that I can get him in the second round, I'm all in. I mean, even if he doesn't do that, I still think he's worth the second round pick. No problem. So let's uh, just to finish off Vogel's question, let me just do a quick lightning of other guys that you would take or not take in the second round pitching wise. You guys just give me a quick yes or no. Um Aaron Nola. Yeah. Back in second. Yeah. Lance Lynn. No. No. Flaherty. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um Kershaw still. Who? Kershaw. End of second. Oh, Kershaw. Yeah. Um, Kershaw. Yeah. Early third for me on him, but no, I, I like Kershaw enough to take him second. Sure. The very back end of second. Okay. Cool. I think that's a good enough enough gauge for. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Dave Swan at Davithia CX. What are a few of the biggest mistakes you see people constantly making in DC drafts? Um. I don't know what the mistakes people make because this is my first year. Playing. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I'm the only one that's played more than one year in DCs. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's not having coverage for uh, every position, uh, you know, or or not drafting enough starting pitching, like taking a lot of shots on relievers, but starting pitching, starting pitching gets injured all the time. Right. You're you're gonna have to have. Uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 starting pitchers on that 50-man roster to make it work. I, I would lean more towards the 20. Um, also right. catchers. You know, I, I've, I've really struggled with my catcher philosophy over the years in these DCs, and you got to have you, – you cannot say, all right, I got two starting catchers. I'll take, you know, two guys that are backups in the 40th round in case something happens because – chances are something's going to happen. Catchers miss a lot of time. They get injured a lot. Um, you're going to need a guy that's like a, a platoon guy that's starting 40% of the time as opposed to a, a backup that's barely playing that can't hit a lick on, you know, like a Sandy Leone on the Indians. You, you don't want to draft a guy like that. You want to draft a guy like, like a Tyler Flowers that's going to play a decent amount so that you can slot him in if you need to. Because 
taking a zero in any position in an overall contest over an extended period is just, it's, it's negative EV. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to win with something like that. So having coverage, having multi-positional guys. Um, but I think that that's gaining a lot of steam these days. So I don't think people are making that mistake as much, but right. focusing on those guys, you can put in a lot of places. So yeah. really having, having depth in starting pitching and having depth at, uh, weaker positions like catcher, maybe first base, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I I have to agree. I think you know, um, like I said, it was my first year doing DC, and my approach is you know was going in like you know I think I was mentioned to you, Jake. I wanted to target some multi-positional guys, but I didn't want to pay like a super premium on them. Right. And I, I just waited to bunch up later on in the draft with Cabrera and, you know, Chris Taylor and uh, like the 29th round, 31st round. And um, they were super helpful. Um, and I didn't have to push up for, you know, Scott Kingery 10, 10 rounds earlier. Uh, some guys, you know, obviously played into some multi-eligibility, which was great. Um, I don't know if this is the right strategy, but uh, my general strategy toward closers is, you know, to not invest too much at the top. Um, and I did that in this, in this DC. Um, I don't know if that's the normal trend to win an overall, but, you know, I picked Keela um, at pick 192, but then, you know, I filled it in with Pagan, Presley, uh, Matt Barnes, and, you know, lucky enough to fall into you know, Presley and Barnes, like Barnes, I anticipated some with Workman, like either him being bad or just knowing that he was a free agent can get yeah. traded. And uh, Presley just, you know, just, just for standout skills anyway. And my intention was to just pound, you know, um, speed, power and, and, and arms, you know, and um, ended up, you know, working out because I did have guys who threw, the most innings or, you know, a ton of times, Bauer, Lynn, um, Ryu. Uh, and it was just huge and it's getting burns really late. But uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I've noticed even in any other type of draft that I, I don't, I used to pay up um, and try to get the multi eligibility guys that, that go higher in the drafts. But um, for DC, I, I'm kind of liking this approach and catchers. I would agree. I, I, I was definitely, I have, I picked four and I had Alfaro, Suzuki, uh, Garrett Allen and Garrett Stubbs and too many Garretts. That's number one. I mean, sorry, Austin Allen. Um, and it was just uh, at times I didn't cause Alfaro missed time. And I was just thinking, oh, oh yeah, a lot of time. And um, Allen filled in, happened to just like be in a line for when he was out, he didn't do much. And then when Alfaro got healthy, it was like kind of perfect, like Austin Allen got sent, you know, back down. But um, just going in, like, I, yeah, like I know you talk about like when to invest in catchers. I took Alfaro in round 15 and Suzuki round 20. Like it just, like I didn't want to get, I didn't want to go too high, even though I love picking JT early. I did that in the main event and I did it in my home links too. I'll do it all the time. I just think his value at that position is insane. Um, but I just tried that middle, middle, middle approach, you know, just to get guys who would be in the lineup, I think most of the time and not be um, too terrible. And, and at that time, the, you know, I had rostered some really good, you know, um, really good contact bats and uh, Story Freeman had Fam, um, 
Justin Turner and I was willing to, you know, take on um, some extra, you know, maybe uh, risk at that. But um, that was my approach for a catcher. Um, so yeah, that's really all I got for the, you know, I, I kind of like that approach. I, I, I want to pound back in arms and, you know, fall into saves, you know, just it fell in perfectly. But Yeah, you, uh, I mean, I, it, your reliever strategy is not one that I feel comfortable with, but you went in a way where you took three guys that were pretty, pretty close to clear as the next in line in their place and uh, or on their team. And there were, I, I, there weren't question marks about our Ozuna, Osuna per se, but there were definitely question marks about Workman. Uh, and Pagan had come off a year where he was a closer for half the year, so you knew he could do it. So if mm-hmm. something happened to Yates, you knew he was likely going to get the first crack. That one didn't work out, but he did get the first crack. So that was an educated pick, and, and two of those worked out swimmingly for you, and they, they piled on the saves in September, and it and it carried you to 30K. So <laughs> it, it certainly worked out for you. Yeah, today was a good day. I just want to say, just break in. I don't like podcasting with you guys. Fucking shitload of fun. Check came in, and I also got my my beer bottled. The pull hitter American Pale Ale right here. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. My buddy Joe Cleary is uh just started brewing his own beer. It's that Shipwreck Brew Company. Um, he's doing some. <laughs> yeah, he's doing some amazing things. Just started brewing his own beer while we've been out of work. Um, I like it. Pretty cool, you know. Yeah, he's got his he's got his Instagram going. If anyone's on that, the Shipwreck Brew Co. It's pretty cool. He's showing his journey through like learning to brew beer and aspirations, you know, to own a brewery. So he let me come over and help me, uh, you know, do do some uh, do some beer uh, beer brew. And um, he wrote a nice little description of the beer for me too. So I'm gonna read it out real quick. And he said, "The Pull Hitter Pale Ale is an American style pale ale with a twist." It's an APA brewed with English malt, English ale yeast, and loaded with American hops. I use specifically a heaping amount of his freshly harvested Cascade Inge Canuck hops, which he brewed outside, I grew them outside in his garden, and a handful of citra pellets in his um, vacuum whirlpool. And the result is a beautifully golden, perfectly balanced 6.6 APA that makes for the ideal beverage to celebrate a big time fantasy baseball victory. Look at that. Did you, did you sample it yet? You know what? We, um, since we bottled it, so we sampled a little bit of it, even though it was warm and, um, it's pretty, it's pretty potent. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a pull hitter type of, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a pull hitter type of, uh, brew. So it was a good day. Like, I feel like everything, a lot of things happened today. So pretty excited. Um, Let's see, we got any more questions here. Um, Simeone, yes, we read his. Uh, also, I'd like to hear one pitcher you refused to touch in 2021, but you can't cheat and say a pitcher was coming off surgery like Sale or Thor. One pitcher that you guys are completely off of, not injury-wise. I already I already said McCullers. So I'll oh, McCullers, okay. Yeah. All right. Not injury-wise? So, like, yeah. Just strong, one, strong one pitcher strong. you're completely not drafted. Not coming, Not coming off surgery, so. Yes. Yeah. You can take an injury guy, just not one that's coming off like is a he, full season. Is he going off surgery? I don't even know. Who who'd you say? Strasburg. Uh yeah, he had I mean he had, he's had he had surgery. Carpal tunnel, yeah, tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. That's a surgery. 
Look at anyone who's not hurt, because I guess he's just calling out the fact that you love to talk about your risk assessment. So we do, yeah. I mean, because I we feel it's it's under like people don't value it the way it should be. So hundred percent, yeah. I think until, that was the until, that, until it is, we're gonna keep talking about it. Right. I think that was like the first conversation we had in DM, right, Dave? Like I heard you talking. I think so. Yeah. And like I was like, yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, I I'm right on with this guy. He's totally bringing up things. I remember listening to it. I'm like, oh wow, like. These are things I like, you know, totally agree with. And um, yeah, totally, totally take that assessment with the injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that people every year say, but if he's healthy, but, 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 and it's like, but he's not. So like, don't treat him that way. Um, and it's just every year people do this. Um, but I'll, I'll say Blake Snell, because I don't know how he stayed healthy, but he did. But I'm, I'm probably going to be off him again next year. You don't know how he stayed healthy. Okay, I mean, I, I, I thought I thought he was going to miss time this year. He didn't. I mean, he yeah. didn't pitch, he didn't pitch a lot. Uh, like he averaged under five innings per outing, um, but technically he didn't go on the IL, so he was still healthy. He didn't have any procedure, and I think he probably needs to have a procedure. So I'll I'll say Blake Snell, Tony, one guy, not enjoy. So early. Um... I guess I, I was looking through the the early mock ADP. If this ADP holds, uh, Max Freed, I'm going to be out on. He's going around pick 50. I just – Wow, I, really? I, it's, that's a really – No, yeah, really no way. Premium to pay on the guy. I think he's going to regress from what he And he's probably going to go in like the fourth come March at yeah. least. So, I mean, now, I say that with a caveat because if his ADP corrects down lower to the point where I feel comfortable, like, I don't dislike him completely as a player. I just don't think that – Where would you be that, comfortable, though? I mean – Sixth, seventh? Yeah, like around 100, but – Yeah, even me, I, I, I even there, I wouldn't do it. I, I, it's a guy like that. He's never going to have a good whip. But we talked about this on our last pod, our retrospective yeah. on the pitching. I don't game. know. It's it's right. hard to say, man, because I haven't done any drafts, so it's hard to say rounds. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with a guy that I've, I've – honestly, I've never seen the allure of at all, uh, and that's Jose Barrios. I – He's a consistent underperformer. You know, he supposedly has an elite curve, but it's not. Constantly has Sierras and, and XFIPs that are in the fours. It just just why? Like, he's not good. <laughs> yeah. He's not. Just why? Well, he, he added velocity this year. Um, yeah, and what did it do for him? Right, that's the thing. A little uptick in Ks and nothing else. Like, he yeah. still was a mediocre pitcher. He's just not that good. Did not, did not help, for sure. Yeah, I think there's value in what he can, you know, can bring, but not this high, right, you know? Right. Like, it's uh, at this Four, point. 4.39 Sierra is not good. Yeah. No, and that's a consistent thing. Like, yeah. His best year is a three eight in five seasons. Like, why? It just why? There's no point. Yeah, fair enough. Ellis can two. Ellis C at Ellis can two. Oh, our Tom boy Ellis. Tom. Our boy Ellis. Ellis. Ellis is a good dude. He is a good dude. He <laughs> asks how how far do you map out your drafts? A four round, B ten round, C Rand McNally who. D <laughs> I'm a hybrid unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> He's a witty guy, that Ellis. What? 
Um, I mean, this is kind of a different question for Jake than it is for me. Um, I like to map out my first, I want to say, I mean, 10 to 12 rounds maybe. Um, I mean, I, I like to have different – I put, like, all of the guys who are going around the time that I could take them at different rounds, and whether I'll jump them up, I'll put them up around ahead or whatever. But I like to look at all of that and have options available. Uh, Jake is very much a fly by the seat of his pants. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Sure, let's go with that kind uh, of guy. Uh, you, okay. You – in yeah, no, okay, okay, go, go ahead. No, I mean when when I get to uh, certainly when I get to mains, I plan out my mains. Uh, if we're talking like a hundred dollar fan tracks, no, but yeah, I I plan out. I definitely plan out what I want to do. Almost specific players the first like six rounds, and then we we do so many uh, different analyses that we're we're really well versed on what pockets we like. So we know here's where I want to draft my closers. Here's where I, I, you know, I want to have, you know, three starting pitchers out of this group of 20 that go in these four rounds or five rounds. So no, I don't, I don't plan specific players through 12, 15 rounds. I, I think that's a fool's errand, but you know, five or six saying, you know, here's here's where my first two picks are going to go, and that's going to determine who I take in the third. And I have these two guys that I can pick from if I need speed more, or if I need to go a starter here because I took two hitters in the first two rounds. So sure. I, I do I do plan out a decent amount, but yeah. not not the uh, the old Rand McNally who though. There there's no way I you you can't plan out a a thirty round draft. Yeah, I I, I would say that I I don't plan out every single specific player like my draft strategy is not necessarily wrecked if one guy goes um it where i wasn't expecting him to but i do map out i would say for the first 10 rounds i have an idea where i'd like it to go but i also play the draft and so if something does present value that i wasn't expecting um like to jake's point i know where the pockets of value are, I know where I want to dip into certain positions. I know where my tiers drop off. And so I'm flexible in terms of what my plan is, depending on what the draft gives me is that um, like, obviously you can have your plan and sometimes it does go according to plan and everyone falls right into your lap. But there's a lot of other times where maybe a guy who you were um, planning to get is gone. And at that point you can either, just just wreck your draft strategy or you can adapt it. And so I try to adapt it there and say, okay, who did, like, so I don't have this guy, but if I take this player who I'm also comfortable with at this spot, can I then address the taken player's position later and just kind of move my, my plan around, still being flexible, but at the same time, like, I have a plan of what I want to have by the end of, like, 10, 15 rounds, but it's just, there's a ton of different paths to get there. And really the, the, the way I get there often ends up getting dictated by the draft. Right. Yeah. You definitely have to take what the uh, draft gives you, you know, I, um, it's hard to map out. Right. I mean, we can't, 
we're not that super good that we could know like exactly. I mean, you know, you could you could give yourself backups and you know, third you know, third choice, fourth choice, whoever you know, you pick out a certain spot, and uh, sometimes the draft just smacks you in the face, and <laughs> you know, you you just you like you said, you got to be flexible enough to uh, be able to adapt to it. I I think more of uh, I'm just looking to roster uh, a certain amount of um, skill sets and um, within speed, power, average, Ks, um, within those, like, I'd say 10. I like to, like, look at 10 and say I want, you know, this many plus, you know, power bats and this many guys that'll be 20, 20 possible guys and, uh, a good amount of um, batting average, uh, like, you know, not just not risky guys for, you know, contact profile. And I'll just go from there. And it's not so much like I know a lot of people like to, you know, meet numbers and I more of a just meet a skill set. Uh, like I've been just draft like uh, baseball HQ, like the Mayberry method. Um, that's been my, like the root of my roster construction and Ron Chandler's Babs, like it's pretty cool. I just like the way they drive home. Like, you know, these are the amount of uh, skills bats that you need. And that's what you go after. Like not just overall um, numbers. And it's just, uh, it breaks it down the way for me that I see guys quickly for, you know, quick skill sets. Like I said, just group them together and what they do the same and um, just, and then capitalize on guys who go later that can, you know, that will give you production from higher guys in the draft. So that's how I And we're not, it. we're not guys that like compile projection stats in draft and say, Oh, well, we're only looking like we have 60 steals. Now we need to get 15 more. Right. You no, know, we, we, like you said, we're, we're, we know what the skills generally are. We have a good general sense and yeah, we may look at, uh, we we may populate a roster and it spits out projections, but we're not letting that drive everything we're doing. That's only, you know, to keep Guideline. us, yeah, to keep right. us looking, uh, to keep us honest and and make sure we don't miss anything. But it's not going to determine what pick we make next. Right. It'll probably more determine like um, it'll probably like be more of an alarm if you're yes. really low or really exactly. high, and that, yep. but it won't dictate like like you said. Uh, I need. 13 more, you know, but more like, oh, shit, like, I'm really low. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good approach, you know. And, and one one other thing, honestly, if you're going to map out a portion of the draft, it's almost easier to map out the later rounds than it is to map out um, right. some of the rounds because ADP is so far out the window at that point, and you can say, you know what, I really like this guy. I'm going to push him up two, three rounds up to the point where I feel really confident that I'm going to get him. And you can say that these are my five value guys. I'm going to get them at this spot, this spot, this spot, this spot. And generally, I mean, unless they get pushed up, like, like some of our targets did in the main where people are setting mins on them, you can right. pull out the back end of your draft um, in a, a pretty decent fashion. It's really yeah. those, those rounds um, like outside of the, the, the early rounds where ADP starts to, starts to, to, shake a little bit and and people start doing some some odd stuff that you're not going to be able to hit your targets and that's where you got to be yeah no i i totally i totally love that approach too like there's certain there were certain guys you know like every year that i you know like you said the that loose adp makes you just like 
go to a spot where you're comfortable, draft them, and knowing that you're going to, you know, likely roster them as much as you can later on, you can build around, like, toward that, gaining to them. Like, if you're, like, like a Teoscar Hernandez, like everyone, oh, yeah, but it wasn't a lock, but you knew, like, you had this skill set that you were going to target later on. So, okay, like, there was some risk there, but I'll just build accordingly up to, you know, up to that spot. And um, I felt, I felt the same way about Brandon, Brandon Lau. Was it Lau? Lau, right? Lau or Lau? Yeah. Same thing. Like I, I, I was, I had like, he was one of my guys, him and Bauer that just had had the most shares of this year. And, but I built toward that, like just in case he wasn't the guy, you know? Um, And I think that identifying, like you said, who you want to take later on, is is so, is so good and then you can just now start eliminating guys up top right you know like this guy i don't want this to target x amount of guys and um really try to you know the ultimate draft that's what it's all that about right of the 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 casey cha strategy i mean we've talked about it before yeah uh, he's he eliminates you know 50 to 70 percent of the draft pool just 80 percent jake 80 yeah. percent and it makes and more 80 percent you know where it makes sense too like you know if you trust your you know ability to see something real quick and not spend extra time on guys that you're you know if you if you trust your process and there's just so much more available brain space and time to just look at the guys that you like and you know, really just plan out a, a perfect draft. You know, it makes sense. It's just perfect, perfect thinking. You know, I like that strategy. All right, boys. I think that's it. There's no more questions. Um, right. I don't know the uh, the random Dave McDee guy. I, I got involved. He didn't. He didn't happen to show. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't come. I have no idea what happened. Did yeah, you send I, him honestly, the Google Docs? You sent him the show notes, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I can't believe it because I just – I had no idea how that even happened. Like, I don't even – he's not, like, in my friend list or – it was just so random that until, <laughs> until you said it and I looked up, I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Jake, Jake goes, did you retweet Rod's, Rob's tweet? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't get a notification from Rob. And he's like, yeah, he tagged you. And I'm like – no, no, he didn't. And I went and looked at your profile, and I saw at Dave McD, and I'm like, yeah, nope, that's that's not my Twitter handle. <laughs> Dave, Dave would get a, a lot more tweets, probably. A lot of his tweets go to Run DMC. Yeah, so, I mean, that's true. Run DMC gets a lot of uh, really. You you probably the guy has five followers. You probably should see if he's willing to uh, part with that moniker. Yeah, five followers, David McDowell. Um, I still like sandwiches more now than ever before. He sounds like a good guy. <laughs> He's a good guy. I'm shocked he didn't show up. <laughs> Again, my apologies. I'm like looking at it like I'm such a doof. Like that's that was terrible. Well, so, Jake missed it too because he I missed like, it. Yeah, I he tagged you, and I'm like, yeah. What are you talking about? He didn't tag me. Oh, uh, that was fucking classic. <laughs> oh man. Good stuff, man. It was really, uh, it was really cool hanging out with you guys. I've been, yeah, dude. It was really good to finally get out. Yeah, with you. yeah, absolutely. I know it's been a long time in the works, and you know, obviously, we all, we all have lives and stuff. So it's cool to just fit this in, and I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time out. You know, sure. really, really respect you guys' opinions and what you guys put out this year. It was really, um, one like you know, instantly listen and say, yeah, like uh, this is the go-to all the time. Just good advice down the Yeah, Tony, we really, we really, brother. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, yeah, we're I put out so much content. What you're putting out, it was great. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Uh, we're, we're glad we could be on the pod to help you celebrate that big check, man. Yeah, dude. Really happy for you. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. It's uh, still really hasn't sunk in, you know, like, yeah, I, it was such a, it was such a crazy moment like that. My wife was like, you know, um, you know, when is it, when, when is it over? And it was like 10 o'clock and, you know, I know Bloomfield like tag, you know, put up the post and I was still like, you know, waiting for like something to happen, like a stat correction or like, you know, do they call me and let me know that it's over? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was pretty wild. It was pretty crazy. You know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, just happy, just super happy that, you know, putting in the time and listening, you know, and digesting as much information I can, you know, and that's the thing, like, um, you know, as I've gone on, you know, more Twitter and uh, find like, other things outside of, you know, like I said, a big baseball HQ guy mostly, but it's still like, there's so many good things out there. There's so much good content. Yeah. We got, we have so many smart people that we can, you know, reach out to or just read something about. And it's, you know, it's, it's really cool, you know, cause you can really get a good sense of, you know, good information, you know, and stuff that leads you to, you know, stuff that you always remember. I'm constantly trying to learn, you know, there's always, something I, I find that, yeah, it's like, you know, and I've just like, like really lately I've been into like the whole, like, uh, like swing, like, like swinging angles and like really trying to digest, like, you know, guys, you know, how they're swinging. It's just, there's just so much stuff out there. Like you can really, it's, you got to stop. I have to stop myself every now and then, but like, all right, reel it in guy. Like <laughs> there's only so much you could do in one day, you know? Yep. But, it, but you want to consume it because, you know, I feel like you can find so much um, stuff, you know, that can help you fantasy, um, even in places like, you know, I never you know, knew, you know, so. Yeah. And all the uh, information is ubiquitous now. So if you're going to find the edges, you got to dig a little deeper and do things a little differently than everybody else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very true. 100%. So again, yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I know it's been tough, you know, uh, down the stretch, everyone, you know, been dealing with, you know, COVID times, getting back to work, doing, doing whatever they got to do to get by. So, uh, again, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, why don't you guys tell everyone, uh, where they could find you, what you guys do. Uh, yeah. How you make a living, what you like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Jake, what do you got? Uh, you know, I, I, you can find me at the dust mite. I, uh, you know, I host the, the high stakes heat pod with Dave. We have Tony on a decent amount now. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not writing currently. There's, there's not a lot of time for in my life other than the pod. So that's all I got. Dave. Yeah. Uh, I'm at run D McD. Uh, I'm the high stakes heat pod with Jake. And uh, because he doesn't have a lot of time for other things, uh, apparently neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. His life revolves around me. <laughs> <laughs> Our lives revolve around his wife, if we're being honest. <laughs> Tony, where can the fine gentlemen and ladies around the world find you? And Browns <laughs> yeah, if, if you want some some really stupid Browns takes, uh, you can find me <laughs> at Spectre, S-P-E-C-T-R-E 14. Um, I am not a, a host of the Rotosaurus pod, but I have been on it. And they have not kicked me off yet, so you may hear from me again. At if some he point. doesn't get a new mic, he might be gone. Yeah, I, I, that's real. 
It, I, my, my sweet laptop mic is great. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, God. Oh, so I just want to let you know that I wouldn't have not done this without you being involved. So you're Oh, there you go, Tony. <laughs> you're a part of it. Well, you are a part of it. I had, to have, I had to have another, you know, Italian representation in here. <laughs> <laughs> You got some Italian in your. I got I got one eighth, but it definitely doesn't come through in my demeanor or my name. <laughs> I'm adopted. Uh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh man, yeah, really cool. You guys are, uh, you know, again, it's been a, it's been a great time. I appreciate you, Rob. Thanks for yeah. having us, buddy. Lots of fun. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. I think we got to make this happen more often. Definitely. Right. Thanks, All right, Rob. Fellas, take care.